heat stroke. I swear, podcasting yeah. can sometimes like it for me. It's like an exercise in narcissism. Mary Kate, I shit you not, we recorded one, and as soon as it was up, I was like, "Can we listen?" I, was like, yeah. <laughs> I listen to you every day. Why do I want to hear you yeah. on a podcast? I was like, hey, "You're probably right." Yeah. It's weird because, like, you know, I've been married to Kathy for so long. Yeah. Sunday scaries. Although I do want to get her on for one, just so she Ooh. can just like tear things apart. We That's do need to have, best. yeah, like a family podcast at one point. Family to do and like a, Yeah, there was an idea for the end of last season. We did like the watch party for Ready or Not. And so Tyler made Courtney come and watch yeah. uh, Ready or Not with us because she's not a horror movie fan. Yeah. And Tra- so, Travis and Tyler have gotten me to watch uh, like one of the first ones was Leprechaun. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Jennifer Aniston? Yeah. yeah Jennifer uh, Aniston. OG. Yeah, um, we did X together, which was really fun. We went and saw that in theaters. And yeah. that's, I'm sure you've seen it, but like mind blowing. I'm weird with slashers. Really like, interesting. Yeah, I'm, okay, I'm weird with them, right? I like I like smart slashers. Like Strangers was one of the ones that you guys had on there. And I was yeah. Like, oh yeah, that's just solid. did that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's solid. So um, it's a twenty four. So I'm interested, but I'm not right. gonna go out of my way to like buy it to watch it yeah that's fair yeah you like this like a cerebral slasher like a I'm, little I'm, all piece? About, yeah. I'm all about atmosphere yeah, yeah. we got a couple of up ep- <laughs> man up we got to get you back on for another episode this season before it's up because this is like this is like the uh the, the break in the slasher series so mm-hmm. i definitely want to have you on for like the i realized too they dropped the trailer for halloween kills and i was like Dude. can you make slasher last until that movie comes <laughs> out can we just do like a thousand slasher well, movies to time it well in october i think we're going to be doing a lot of bonus episodes yeah. uh not to spoil anything guys but hey it's uh sunday scaries uh my name's travis i'm hanging out with daniel today and we've got jamario in the house dude hey, thank, thank you, you again for coming along like i said no it's problem. great to get new people here yeah. um it's sunday scaries it's a podcast about horror movies and things that we think are interesting to fans of horror movies uh each week we take a deep dive into a specific film and try to find connections between that film uh, and other movies within the genre um in this series we're talking about slashers but we're taking a break from doing that to talk about a uh, maybe one of the most highly anticipated movies of the year uh, what movie was that guys nope, nope. exactly <laughs> yes did you know that the very first assembly of photographs to create a motion picture was a two-second clip of a black man on a horse and that man is my great great grandfather great there's another great grandfather That's why back at the Haywood Ranch, as the only black-owned horse trainers in Hollywood, we like to say, since the moment pitches could move, yeah, skin in the game. said it too he like looks out the car nope <laughs> so this is uh jordan peele's latest movie uh starring daniel kaluuya kiki palmer uh, featuring uh keith david uh brandon perea michael wincott steven yoon uh fantastic new movie that just came out over the weekend uh it's been doing really great i figure what we can do first is right up top kind of just give like a short three to five minutes of maybe non-spoilery boilerplate vague uh reception and then we can kind of 
start dissecting this thing and get into the uh, spoiler content here. Let the hype begin. Yeah. How did you guys? Uh, so y'all, I saw it on Thursday at Alamo Draft House, but you guys both saw it in IMAX. That was weird. We actually but might have separately? seen it at the exact or, same time yeah. separately. Because you were in Waco, right? Yeah, I sent a text afterwards, and then Jamario called me. He's like, I'm, I just left the theater. I was like, what? Me too. But I was <laughs> I in a completely different town. I was like, are you here? I was <laughs> <laughs> like looking around for me. I was not. It, we were not in the same theater, but yeah. yeah. I was losing my mind. It was. Yeah. I was very hyped. It was. I really, really liked it. Yeah. I was hyped because... Um, well, I know it was shot in IMAX, so my thing was since it was a, a spectacle and I knew it was with supposedly aliens and stuff, yeah. so I was like, you know what, this time I'm not going to sit far back to get the whole experience, I'm going to sit closer where I have to look up, mm-hmm. just to kind of just, just, just put myself like in Like be that. overwhelmed yeah, just by be the overwhelmed. screen. That's yeah. like a 4D experience at yeah, that point, because then you get like, yeah, you get placed within the movie, it's like the movie was talking directly to yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw it at Draft House, so it was on a regular Dolby screen or whatever. But it was, and it was still overwhelming because, like you said, it was shot on IMAX. I didn't know going into it that it was shot on IMAX, mm-hmm. uh, and I we're gonna get to it in a little bit. But I love all the uh, the technical Easter eggs that are in there too that they bring up uh, about cinematography. I like. Um, I had a suspicion. I knew it was gonna be good, right? Like the marketing, I was like, okay, this is gonna this is gonna be really interesting. But I had a suspicion it was gonna be like technically incredible um, through the sound mix and like. Even in the first 10, 20 minutes, there's all this like, uh, like there's a pre-lap and like all this overarching dialogue. But then you kind of get to like a physical space. You're seeing, you know, guy on a horse uh, walking him and it's like located out of different speakers. So like mm-hmm. if a horse comes from the left side of the screen and goes to the right, it like tracks audio wise mm-hmm. and like pans with it um, and even like behind you and stuff. So like. Uh, an example is like when Kalia's got his like back to his dad at the very first scene, and you like you hear like all the change fall, and he's like confused. Yeah, it falls, but in the back, back speakers. The, yeah, so yeah, like yeah. you're like you are about to like turn your head because you're like, wait, what? Who the fuck dropped their coin purse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's what like when that happened, I was like, oh yeah, we're in. Like, I love audio guys talking when they about use sound. Yeah, <laughs> sound is if you you can you can tell they know what they're doing. Yeah. I think the the covid like covid pandemic gave them a little extra time to get that sound <laughs> oh, mix sure. right because sure. whoa yeah that was ridiculous like so like by trade i'm a cinematographer so usually i go in and i'm all about the visual kind of like visual yeah. experience but like i always like try to help daniel right afterwards because just to hear his take on the audio yes yeah. i'll be like oh visually da, 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 but daniel's be like oh but did you hear this and i'm like no <laughs> but yeah i did hear yeah. It. And, yeah 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 uh, there's only like a handful of movies that come out uh, that have that kind of like geolocated like sound like you know g- yeah you could have good movies dialogue they say like comes from the front speakers like that's big explosions come all the way around and mm-hmm. music's like but that kind of like one speaker one sound kind of mix yeah. I've only seen it in a handful of films mm-hmm. in person yeah. and it was one of those things where I like I listen I trust my ears I listen so I'm like oh it's only coming from the left side behind me i'm like that was intentional yeah so like people might be like well something must be must be broken i'm like no they're messing they're like really messing with you like they know what they're doing for sure yeah i would say this is the same guy that uh i don't know if you guys remember the movie with scarlett johansson under her, under her skin or under under the skin, the skin. under yeah. the skin okay this is the oh, same for the guy. sound design yeah it's oh, the shit. same guy i spent so, so much time getting distracted with hoyt that i maybe didn't even pay attention to the fucking <laughs> it's the like same guy so i remember watching that and kind of going I mean, I was watching it at home, and we try to set up like a 
you know, mimic someone's yeah. surroundings. Yeah, yeah. every uh-huh. film person is like, they spend yeah. a ton of money on like yeah. TVs and speakers. Yeah. yeah. So I try to similarly do that, but like he did that and that, and just the, the stillness in that and the, the audio design yeah. in that too was like ridiculous. So. Yeah. And, and it's not like a, like he has some music and it's, but it's not overpowered. Yeah. Um, this then the screams like the screams oh just my God, get under dude. your skin. Yeah, I can't wait yeah. to start talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. the, uh, like, we're the Lovecraftian right <laughs> nature of that. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll dive into that once we so, get into spoiler territory. So we territory. were very excited to say the Absolutely. least. <laughs> yeah, we went with a group on uh, Thursday. It was uh, me and Tyler and uh, Cairo went, and we brought um, yeah Blake and his his partner along as well. Uh, and then like afterward, we kind of went to go hang out and give our first initial reactions. And I think like one of the great things about this movie and what Jordan Peele has even said in his interviews is he talks about how. Um, with all the original, especially the original stuff that he makes, he likes to be aware of his audience and how just the general public, you know, consumes the stuff. And he's he was he's very aware of the fact that like horror is not for everybody. Uh, not everybody is like super down to watch something and feel scared and get scared. Um, but even from his perspective, he thinks this is a good kind of maybe entree into that that world and this sort of space where you can like it's not the gateway. scariest movie exactly it's a gateway <laughs> horror movie um i don't know it felt pretty freaking <laughs> yeah. scary I don't, some scary... I don't know about ga- mary kate yeah. saw it with me and she was like yeah I don't, I don't know if i could be convinced to see that again and i was yeah. like put me on the roller coaster like seven <laughs> more times like can i go back right now i'm definitely but gonna she try to see kinda... it this week yeah and yeah. if i didn't have any other responsibilities yeah yesterday i would have just snuck back in. He did. He was like, I think I might go see it again before the podcast. Like, you saw it yesterday. <laughs> if I had any more free time, I would have. Yeah, we just got back from Tulsa, and I was like, it's been a jam-packed fucking weekend. But, um, yeah, I think the, the general reception has been uh, kind of evidence of that, though. I mean, the movie's done. It's been one of the best original movies that's opened, or for its opening weekend, it's done better than in almost any other original movie um, in history. It's opened up to, uh, there's the stat that I have says 44 million, but I'm not sure where the various articles pulled that from. Right. Um, there's some other one that said, like, this movie's 5. got crazy legs. So, so when yeah. they say like it's got legs, it means it's going to last oh, yeah. in theaters a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like a better example, everyone's been hearing about everything everywhere all at once mm-hmm. because it just keeps fucking going. Yeah, it's you know, like, back up. Month after month. Even in the secondary market, too, the rentals yeah, they and went, stuff. It, it went back to theaters. <laughs> 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 Top Gun's the same way. It's, yeah. it's got yeah. legs. Like People are just going to keep coming back. And yeah. I think Nope has legs. It's mm-hmm. like, it doesn't matter. It's the kind of movie where the twist doesn't really matter as much, no. but it's still so visceral that mm-hmm. like people are going to tell their friends, friends are going to tell their friends. It's definitely it's got that word of mouth. Going. Like, yeah. And, and to, to that point, you know, it's opening in a weekend where, um, you know, we have a Marvel movie that's still out. That's, that's barely, and it's like it's second week, I think, uh, Thor, Love and Thunder. Yeah. Um, so Nope opens in first place above that, as well as Top Gun, which is in its like ninth week, but it's a weird phenomenon. That's like Oof, kind man, of people just, won't stop talking about. I mean, that. it was yeah. surreal. I it mean, I, I went, I saw it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I was just like, yeah. When you get me moving with the plane <laughs> and something, I'm yeah. just like, oh shit, it got me. Yeah. Like, yeah. You yeah. got me again, Tom. Damn it. <laughs> but exactly in that vein, though, it's like this movie doesn't, you know, it's it's not got an easy playing field like at the moment, um, yeah. especially for a horror movie that was marketed as a pretty ambiguous, a very secretive, you know, kind of close to the the chest. You know, yeah. uh, and for like it just a plain old original idea. Mm-hmm. Like we, no original IP, yeah. nothing to depend on, no nostalgia, just fucking fresh ideas and an know. awesome director. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, so this goes up. So in the context of Jordan Peele films, uh, it's in the middle of his, uh, you know, his original films. Uh, it's above uh, Get Out, which opened to thirty-three million in twenty seventeen. 
uh, and uh, just a little bit under Us, on, which is uh, 71 million, which kind of, for the sophomore movie for a director like that, Us, you kind of, you, you give it the, the $71 million opening weekend because it was so highly anticipated after right. Get Out Bits get, gets Best Original Screenplay. It's, you know, it's got that Oscar sort of yeah. traction already. Um, so I think, I think it makes sense where Nope is opening. I think, like you said, it's got legs and it's, uh, it's just going gonna, gonna to keep on keeping on but it's well and it, um i think too like they're saying like jordan peele's name carries movies now mm-hmm. like his name like people say like oh tarantino made a movie mm-hmm. which i saw an article about this um like we want to see it because tarantino made it jordan peele's mm-hmm. now in his third movie becoming yeah. the same way as like oh jordan peele made this i want to go see it and you just trust him whoever mm-hmm. he casts whatever choices he makes whatever the pitch is um but it was i was it's interesting because you mentioned us and we saw us together we did. We did. Yeah. It, uh, it was really good. And it was a movie I think uh, it, it deserved. Like, I, so many people saw Get Out and it was like novel. That idea that like horror and commentary, like this like black and white people kind of idea was like so novel and so new. And people thought like, oh, that's going to be his thing. Mm-hmm. And it's spar- and it's funny too because uh, like a bunch of filmmakers now want to make like the next uh, uh, Get Out. Right. Yeah, it's like commentary yeah. horror. They're yeah. like, I want to do this, um, which is funny because a lot of them are like very boring white guys who like think they have something yeah. to say. They all walk away like, ah, Dang, I have an idea. That door. I know. <laughs> I know. That's me. It's me too. I'm like sitting here like I definitely wrote something stupid that I thought was good but was not. But uh, but I think to us kind of had that like people walked into it thinking like what are we gonna learn? Yeah, what what new lesson is Jordan Peele responsible for teaching us? Right, and one <laughs> he shouldn't be responsible for teaching us anything. Like he should just make movies and we should uh-huh. enjoy them. But that's his thing too. Right, it's entertainment. Like, yeah, that's right. I, it's very like Alfred Hitchcock. Right, mm-hmm. he, he he takes that approach with filmmaking. Where yeah. it's like I'm not just doing it solely for me because I want to be like this right. on tour and like everyone wants to look at me. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's like no, I want to sit in the back of the theater and see people laugh and cringe at certain moments yeah. and i think that's that's really important it's amazing. Well, it's not, i think he <laughs> kind of like broke the curse it's like because people wanted that out of us didn't get it and didn't see the the entertainment value for what it was it's like they're watching it and they're like this is just a wild movie yeah. and they're like waiting for the like oh and nope now we're clean slate like we're just here to see what he can give us and that made me feel like it was a clean viewing for everybody yeah. i think i went into us expecting kind of get out Get yeah. out! Get out! For me, was like something so just based in my life, right? I'm from the south. I know you can't tell from my voice, but like I'm from the <laughs> south, and like I grew up with a bunch of white kids, right? So like had white girlfriends and stuff like that. Yeah, and like I had been in experience. Like I, I experienced stuff like that. Like you going to your white girlfriend's house, and their parents don't know how to react to you, so they're trying to be like cool and. They give you like, the, like, I'd vote for Obama line or something. Well, like, you know, of course. Yeah. Well, I didn't get the Obama line. I got something else. It was probably like, we think Kanye West is great. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I mean, at that time, <laughs> no, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If they dropped Kanye or, you know, Cuddy, I would have been like, oh, these people are fucking awesome. But, right. Uh, uh, you know, I've been in situations like that. So it was just like seeing that film and seeing it being made, like, he mentions like he's never thought like that movie would have been made. Like he you yeah. know, set it up for like 10 years thinking like, oh, this will never be made. And for me to go into theaters and being in the industry and seeing it actually on screen is like that connection that I have with that film is something – it's a crazy experience. Like yeah. there's only been a few films where I'm like, oh, man, I went in there and it kind of changed my view on filmmaking. Right. right. Yeah. You're like, this is possible and we can do it this now. This is possible but also just like this is just genius. It's such a simple concept. Yeah. It, 
and that like th- the thing that Jordan Peele does well with like the black community is that he puts characters in situations and we're able to connect with those characters because we see ourselves doing the same shit. The note that when he says nope, like the whole point, right. he yeah. looks out, right. and he's just like nope. nope. Right. And I think that's another thing about this movie. Like you said, that it what's what's great about this opportunity, uh, you know, for audiences and for Jordan Peele in this making of this movie is that it's not absent of those elements. It's just that right. they're not put at the forefront of of this movie in a way that they were in like Get Out. But one of the great things about Jordan Peele, like you said, as a filmmaker, is like he is in the unique position and then also is just is so artful and he's able to include those things in a movie and and make them subtle in a way that that you know he's been one of the few filmmakers to kind of be able to do that yeah but like they're present and even if they're not at the forefront you still see them as elements that are not glossed over in the movie it's beautiful how yeah. he's able to communicate those things right mm-hmm. and how we can connect with those things without him being on the nose and being yeah. like black white blah 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 it's like more deep into everything mm-hmm. right and the thing i love about jordan too is uh, very few directors and master of of our art make you go home and want to study. Like yeah. what's in the, the missile scene of each thing, like what's yes. in that scene, the placement and stuff. It's yeah. just like I go home and I'm like, oh man, I've got to watch this. I got to study this because like there's something more to it. Mm-hmm. A t-shirt in the scene that they're wearing, it's there for a Dude, reason. Dude, all the fucking yeah. costumes in this in this this <laughs> movie like had me like Steven oh, Yeun's like Western wear. Yeah. I was like, or even oh, just like man. the shirts that that yeah, yeah. that OJ was wearing throughout the Daniel Kaluuya's character. I like, noticed that. I, I didn't do my research on shirts, that because I was like, I'm gonna see this movie again. Yeah, and then I'm gonna research it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it's safe to say that all three of us are pretty stoked about this movie and highly recommend that people go watch it. Not only for it's it's content storytelling but just the craft and art form behind it i walked um, out of it. it was like my second favorite movie of the year it easily would have been my first favorite movie of the year it, which everything everywhere all at once has been my yeah. my top for a while now. i saw it i was just like i i had that experience it's like I, I don't cinema has been transformed yeah like, we don't know how did they do that <laughs> right it's so, just the daniels that just, yeah yeah there's something man. about i connect with other daniels <laughs> <laughs> we have our freak we have our d frequency <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think that's enough of, of non-spoiler talk. So we can get and talk about the plot and uh, the finer details of this movie right. to really disclaimer. Flesh it out we're here. about to ruin yeah, this movie we're for talk, people. We're gonna ruin yeah. the fuck out of it. So uh, it's strange been out thing. for a couple of days now. You can <laughs> yeah, you, you can listen. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah pop culture adult. moves at the speed of light. Now, yeah, if you saying? haven't seen it, some it's your people fault. like to have those movies spoiled so that they feel more comfortable watching. That's fair. And just for horror for, movies too. Just yeah. for the record. Yeah. So strange things are happening on the ranch. The power cuts out and a mysterious cloud lurks on the horizon. Freakish storms drop detritus from the sky. A horse's flank. Is pierced by a falling house key, and Otis Senior takes an improbable projectile to the eye. Uh, is there a flying saucer haunting or hunt, haunting the valley? Emerald and OJ suspect as much, and so does their neighbor, an entrepreneur known as Jupe. Uh, Stephen Yoon, uh, who has turned the corner of the valley uh, into a Wild West-themed tourist trap. Um, so this movie opens with a, uh, a quote from the uh, the Old Testament book of Nahum, uh, which is, I will pelt you with filth. I will treat you with contempt and make you a spectacle. Um, Nahum being from, yeah, it's from the uh, the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew Bible um, uh, from the, like the 7th century BC. So this movie uh, basically follows the, the exploits of, of OJ and em- uh, Emerald as they sort of try to carry on their dad's legacy after he passes away at the beginning of the movie and then deal with all these like mysterious happenings well um, to be concrete they're in like dire financial straits right their like, ranch it, is it about to be it starts with uh with uh oj um the main protagonist daniel Kalu's character and he's like selling horses and they're like how many have you sold he's like i've sold 10 mm-hmm. there's a lot of horses yeah so now they're like well shit we got to make some money so mm-hmm. enter a mysterious cloud 
mysterious cloud that doesn't move. And then also there's like a deal on the table to maybe sell the ranch uh, at one point. Uh, but quickly, once they figure out, you know, there's there's an, there's an event that takes place where a horse runs off into the darkness. Uh, Daniel Kalia's character, OJ, has his first sighting and then ensues sort of the race to try to capture this thing on film, which sort of becomes the main uh, mission of our of our protagonists throughout the rest of the movie. Uh, in the course of doing that, they end up sort of like uncovering more than they expected to. Uh, they learn a lot of like weird things about this crazy UFO. Uh, UAP. UAP site. Call now. They're unidentified <laughs> aerial phenomenon. Uh, they enlist the help of a electronics specialist from Fry's uh, named Angel, who is <laughs> I a fucking Fry's hilarious. was close. I know, right? I, I, I really up, thought there was like, it looked no a little anachronistic. Anymore. I think yeah. the real horror of that is that I worked at Best Buy. <laughs> so seeing like the tucked in shirt and the you pants, were like, was like oh, you're triggered. triggered. Yeah, yeah. Was triggered. <laughs> uh, Angel comes along and joins the gang. Uh, they end up. Uh, sort of secondhand witnessing uh their their uh, neighbor neighbor friend from the neighboring ranch experience a sort of similar phenomenon uh and then sort of chaos ensues and uh they team up with their own sort of richard dreyfus character to uh chase down this let's call it a shark here uh and uh the the film sort of culminates with them getting the uh the perfect shot which is sort of the uh the the goal here of the uh yeah it never loses sight of its goal like exactly the ufo is important and it starts fucking shit up Mm -hmm. like people get crushed Mm -hmm. make no mistake there is violence Mm -hmm. i call it the mcguffin exactly (laughs) it's definitely the mcguffin yeah Yeah. and they they never lose sight of like we got to get a photo we got to get an image of this thing Mm -hmm. like whatever and the trick so here's the best part right is like in a world with like smartphones how could there possibly be ufo sightings like Mm -hmm. that's the big like existential question like how is nobody with a smartphone just like film the ufo so easy so peel is like you know what what if when when uh when this terrestrial you know extraterrestrial thing is floating around it cuts out all electrical items even battery powered yeah even battery powered stuff and so it's like who and i love this because gen z probably has like no idea what to do (laughs) but they're like how do we film something and they're like analog baby exactly <laughs> they get the crank hand it, crank crank it yeah, yeah. yeah. and i want to i want to get to that character here in a little bit but uh that's that's when i kind of want to text you guys is like literally cinematography is like a character in this movie yeah uh, and plays such an important role um so Which jamario was telling me about the imax cameras on yeah. that stuff it was yeah. super fascinating um yeah so i figured we start off talking about like this monster and uh yeah do you guys believe in aliens like how do you think this uh Man, you're gonna do this to me on the podcast in front of people <laughs> because I think this first? informs so yeah, much about I need the to, hype. Do you believe in aliens? Uh, no, I'm black. So, <laughs> uh, what I believe in is police and normal shit. <laughs> yeah, you got that's bigger problems. Enough. Yeah, that's hard enough. Then they go, fair. "Oh, there's uh, there's aliens here to abduct the black man and, right. and whatever." But no, I don't. I don't either. I don't believe in aliens. I, but I also, I'm, well, I'm with you. Like, I have bigger fish to fry. Like, I'm trying to make a living. I don't know if I have time. People, Mary Kate gets mad at me sometimes. She'll be like, what do you think about this? I'm like, I don't. Some weird like, what do you mean? I was like, I, I don't. I like, I have to, you know, we're making rent. I just trying to enjoy my sandwich, babe. Why are we talking about is reality Daniel's an illusion? The white version of me, basically, <laughs> when he's talking to his that is the most other. flattering thing you said. It, I mean, when you're talking to Mary Kate, that, yeah. those are the things I say to Kathy. Well, we got okay. Not yeah, to get too down the rabbit hole. Yeah. She asked me if, yeah. uh, like, she's like, you ever think if like reality is just a simulation? I was like, why does it matter? <laughs> I was like, why does it matter? We still do all the that, same stuff we do. That's not paying anything. Yeah. 
I'm like, I mean, I'm still gonna drink this cocktail. Like, even if it is a simulation, it's a good one. Yeah, like, definitely the, uh, the... like. If you were in the Matrix, would you? I'd be like, yeah, I take that pill. Like, of course, I want to. I want the steak. Uh, this is the cipher argument from yeah. the Matrix. Does it really change anything? Why suffer more? You know, Facts. like the simulation is sim- suffering enough. But Facts. I do yeah. not. Uh, I don't believe in aliens. Yeah, and uh, I took a great class. This is related. Uh, called debunking pseudoscience in college it's a great class um and a lot of it is like like thinking things logically and so they explain like you know things like straw man arguments or red herrings just all these like traps people Logic fall classes, for yeah. and every class they would debunk things so one time we did like the 2012 mayan quote apocalypse <laughs> that's not real uh we did bigfoot one class we did um astrology they did it in like you're telling five me you minutes. don't believe in bigfoot I don't. I, do I not. love this class. Have some words. It was such a good class. <laughs> and they made us write papers. And one of my papers was on how uh, Mormonism is fake. <laughs> yeah, because it is. It's a it's made up religion. I yeah. Like, I wrote a whole. They, some would argue. I know. Well, and of course I could write it right, but yeah. uh, they think Jesus came to America, and I was like, that definitely didn't happen. Yes. Like that's we, not true. Like we have Native a Americans of are are the descendants of Israelites, and they're like. Look at the there's like one percent genetic heritage and kind of like everybody has a one percent genetic similarity. That doesn't not mean my black anything. Jesus. Yeah, not my black yeah. Jesus. Yeah, right. It's definitely like a white Jesus thing for definitely them. Definitely white Jesus. But they did um they did alien photography mm. and they were kind of pointing out that was like actually a lot of the photos of like UFOs are either staged or like lens flare stuff mm-hmm. is what they're like their point was. And the guy who taught the class was someone who did faked a photo and made a ton of money off of it. That's like, amazing. He, they're both like physicists. He's, like, he's on both ends. He's like, wow. you know, this is how they. He's fake like, it. yeah. He's like, here's a photo, and we're like, do you think it's an alien? And like most people, are like, nah. Most people don't really think aliens exist. Nah. But he's like, yeah, I faked that photo. I went out <laughs> in my driveway, <laughs> threw a hubcap in the air, and shot it on film. And like, it's in textbooks. It's in people's books now. Like That's they're amazing. like evidence of saucers. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it's a saucer, all right. That's <laughs> he's nuts. like, you can license my photo. Well, the reason I asked that is because. Uh, I think that like the uh, the subversion of sort of the expectation of what we were going into with this movie was fun. Like the best things about it. Yeah. Um. So the the marketing for this movie was very very. So now you're thinking of marketing. Well, it's I think it's a, it's a good part to have the conversation every time every time we talk about these horror movies now. Um. And I think everybody was really really interested to see what Jordan Peele was going to do with this genre of alien abduction movies uh, that has a long history, running back all to you know like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. Um. And then the various other movies that some like this. There's this one variety or article that says, you know, various other directors have mistakenly tried to uh, to live up to Close Encounters of the Third Kind, whether it's Shyamalan with Signs um, or, oh, you know, the fourth kind. Yeah. <laughs> um, or uh, or they, they put this movie in that same vein. And I think uh, one of the mistakes of that criticism is uh, kind of one of the best things about this movie, which is. Jordan Peele sort of subverts, I think, what people were expecting going into this, which is maybe like we're going to have a very ethereal, otherworldly, yeah. maybe even like heady thing, like a rival um, yeah. experience of like an alien presence. And, and it's going to say something about humanity or the nature of humanity in some profound way. And what I love about this movie is this this fucking alien. And the, the, what it ends up being is just a, a fucking monster. It ends kaiju. up being a kaiju. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it ends up being. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, it ends up being Moby Dick. It ends up being, you know, Jaws. Oh, yeah. It ends up being just this. This, this crazy beast that has to be tamed by our main yeah. know, protagonist and stuff. Uh, Which it, is like a big reveal. Yeah. It's like maybe two-thirds of the way through the mm-hmm. movie, yeah. Daniel Kaluuya's character, the horse wrangler, figures it out. He's like, it's not a ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't it's move a like a ship. Yeah. Because he Apex. knows... 
Yeah, it's an apex predator. <laughs> exactly. That's right. And I love. Yeah, you want to talk about? Let's talk about the design of this monster for a second too. Once we so like you said, uh, yeah. we, there's some there's some teasing of it, which is sort of like our classical like UFO sighting sort of stuff. And we think we're getting into. And it know, looks like a like in, when when it's shot flying through the air, mm-hmm. it looks like your very classic flying, flying saucer. saucer. Mm-hmm. Like it's got that domed head, mm-hmm. the saucer bottom, and like a little hole at the bottom. It looks like Martian, like Marvin the Martian, yeah. is going to come out of there or something, mm-hmm. and like goof, like comically say hello. Or and something. we can tell even before the reveal happens, it's it's beaming stuff up. It's 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 tractor yeah. beaming shit, like yeah. horses most notably. That's you know uh, they end up losing several horses to it, and that's how they, sort of this this conflict is sort of initially established. I'm like just now realizing he uses all these cliches to trick us into thinking it's a right. ship. Right. I'm, genius. Wow. Yeah, I think oh that's God. what, I mean, you mentioning how he subverts uh, this film, I think he just does that with genres, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, I think he does that really well. So, yeah, with this, I kind of want to jump back for a second. I know this is off topic. Do right? it. This is off topic, but Signs, right? That film has pissed me off so much. Right? <laughs> Here's the problem, right? We ultimately, spoiler, uh, just in case, it. right? Yeah. Aliens come to Earth, which is 70% water to take <laughs> over the world, and their weakness is fucking water. Thanks, M. Night. Thanks for that. There's yeah. a yeah. in the air. It was channeling H.G. Wells, like in uh, War of the Worlds, when they're yeah. like, oh, aliens yeah. don't have immune systems. Yeah. yeah. It's like if they go to it. Houston and there's like 70% humidity, they're just fucked. <laughs> they just like, walk they out. You don't have to be an alien in Houston. Yeah, you will just, just die fucked. as a human. Yeah, yeah. you just melt. Uh, but even within this movie, like we said, so we we're kind of getting to that, like there's a, there's a couple of fake outs, right? We get yeah. that one great fake out where it's like, uh, we think like it comes really fast too and sort of like catches you off guard. Uh, he goes off into the arena inside of uh, their horse ranch at one point uh, because the, the electronics the sprinklers turned on he's like alright what the fuck's going on in here uh, and he goes in to turn off the lights and then they turn back on mysteriously so he peeks around the corner and we get our first shot of what we think is like a humanoid which bulbous with me. I was scared that was a I really fell for it yeah, really? did yeah that make you I fell for it I didn't fall for it because unfortunately I did watch a lot of the well I watched the trailer the main trailer right mm-hmm. Yeah. and once it kind of once I started kind of dissecting it when I was watching it kind of early on that Stephen Young's character, his fear of chimpanzees. Yeah. So was that in has, a trailer? It ha, no, no, no. Oh, okay. This was me watching it in a trailer. They have the alien head, mm-hmm. but also it looks like an ape body. Right. Uh, so I was like, those are not real. I was like, there's no way. Like, but I love the way he did it. That was one of my favorite, one of my real favorite moments. Cause directors get really scared to let a beat hang. Mm-hmm. And I love movies. I've, I think it's just me getting older because I'm like, I love movies with different pacing and maybe I just watch too many like action movies or something. But like the way that it like, so he gets kind of scared and Kalia like runs around a corner and then realizes he needs to get a photo of this thing. So he whips out his flip phone phone. and is it like holding it up? Like he's waiting to take a photo and it just holds and holds and holds and it like, it pushes his head out, but not even like slow, like super Super tension slow. Building that tension. Yeah, so and that messed with me. I was and then like, you get that great like rack focus where it f- changes the focus from the to object his, to his phone no, camera, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's something I think Jordan Peele does well too. That the only other person I know, I, I already mentioned him before, but Hitchcock did that where he will hold on something for so long. You're sitting there just like God, just whatever it is, because you look at tension and uh, you know uh, tension in the sense of almost like a tightrope walker, right? So uh, Tyrone Walker is, you know, you know, tense because he 
could fall, right? Yeah. But then, like, the other sense is that he knows he can fall off, and that's the, you know, the other part of it. And it's just Well, like, it's the Hitchcock rule, too. Hitchcock always said, like, you know, yeah. it, it's more interesting if the audience knows there's a bomb and two characters having a conversation oh, yeah, yeah, than yeah. them not know, and mm-hmm. then it explodes. Like, yeah, it's the rope. The tension is yeah. because you know mm-hmm. it happens. So, like, I knew the alien was there. Yeah, but it's gonna take a sweet time showing sweet, its head. Lovely time, but yeah. it wasn't even an alien. Mm-hmm. That was a fake out. That was yeah. the best fake out too. Is like whenever yeah, that the third one drops down, and he just straight up rears back, cocks and decks oh, it right in the face. Yeah. Oh, that's a black thing, son. I was like, yo, I would expect the shit. <laughs> that's out of that, uh, the way he just also instinctively like full that? cock. Punches What's this that little YouTube kid in the video face. where they like guys standing with with a trash can to his back. And oh yeah, he's like, and he like whips around and just yeah. cold cocks him. Yeah, that is like I was like I was like, see, that's Peel talking to us. Yeah, because like, yeah. Peel was like, I would do this. Is what would happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and in the movie, it turns out to be the three little kids of the the owner of the neighboring ranch, right? And they were playing a prank because uh, Kiki Palmer earlier had stolen one of their their uh, horse statues to yeah. use as like a uh, decoy as a decoy for the uh, the actual alien. Um, so, the, but this actual alien that first fake out it kind of leads up to what what is revealed later and what we find out is that this thing is essentially a crazy like lovecraftian predator um it yeah. has it's like it, it it's, it's a, a beast it's an organism yeah that that is feeding on the horses um and the most gruesome scene that happens you know i guess getting into the second act is whenever Stephen Yoon, who is also sort of understanding what's been going on this whole time, he sees that our horses are being abducted. So he says, all right, how do I monetize this? How do I profit off of this spectacle? Uh, He sets up a whole carnival show with an entire audience of like 40 people to come out and witness a horse be abducted. Uh, And so in broad daylight, the predator shows up and sucks up every member of the audience. Except the horse. Yeah, because the horse horse is still in there in its cage. Yeah, Yeah. it's like, nope. The horse doesn't leave. (laughs) The horse says, nope, and doesn't leave the fucking pen that yeah. it's in um, and we oh. learned that so the sound effects uh, that the oh. machine is assigned at the beginning of the movie that we you know it kind of hinted this later um, it zooms through the air it, we've learned at the beginning of the movie it drops random metal pieces uh, and it makes these weird screeching noises and then whenever the horses get abducted OJ says earlier in the movie he made it made a sound that he'd never heard a horse make before, before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this sort of re- returns as a along with all of the electronics shutting down there's all these omens of the beast you know being present much like we're going to talk about Jaws a lot because you know much like the buoys in Jaws yeah, as yeah, they're dragged yeah, around absolutely. and everything um, when the spaceship approaches you hear these screeching noises along with its weird like clicking animal sound effects once that scene with the carnival or with the uh, the sideshow happens and the entire audience gets abducted, we learn that those noises, those screams are the still living organisms or whatever, horses or people that have been trapped inside oh. the belly of this beast and that is now floating around with them and slowly digesting totally them. Fucked. Super Lovecraftian. And he shows it too. There's like yeah. a, a solid maybe a minute Man, where yeah, like yeah. you're just watching people. It, it is kind of like your claustrophobic nightmare. Is you, mm-hmm. people it's like a like found footage cam. Sucked almost. up through a thinner and thinner like, like Digestive membrane. Yeah, yeah. Holds, that, he holds it too, man. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that got me was like, you know, he he held you in there long enough for you to be like, I don't want to be here anymore. I can't take it. I can't take. Yeah, you can't take it <laughs> yeah. anymore. We're just like, please, God. Just... When that lady's head hits the the oh statue, God. and you're yeah. like, that thing is still in there, and now this lady's in there with it. Yeah. Uh, and that moment where I was like, yeah, this is straight Lovecraft. This thing is 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 not only otherworldly explicitly in this film, but it has this this unsettling otherworldly aspect about it and the way that it consumes things in an almost like vindictive way because then it goes on to do its most performative thing when we get those crazy shots of it you know 
basically this is going to get into the theme that we're going to talk about the idea of this uh this wild beast trying to be exploited for you know for for financial or for personal profit or something it it retaliates this is we have this instance of it retaliating and going and hovering over the house of the haywoods and dumping essentially at that moment decides to chomp i guess and consume the entire audience that it just ate and then just dumps tens of thousands of gallons of blood on top of this and house like tons of metal objects yeah because yeah. it spits out all the inorganic stuff that's how yeah. we yeah. that's why out. we find out it doesn't like metal mm-hmm. like metal. it just spits yeah. metal out sunday scaries um which and okay so we have to talk about this because the monkey is important yes so let's the, go ahead and get into this because this is the next topic that i want to talk chimpanzee, about chimpanzee yeah. excuse me so gordy there, yeah because there's a lot of there's a lot of articles so in the reviews that i've read that have come out so far um and then just talking to people about it i think the one of the challenges of this movie for audiences is people trying to figure out how to reconcile Absolutely. this whole side plot with like what's going on in the main movie i spent a lot of time yeah you want to go into it one? yeah go ahead and talk, I, oh, yeah, explain yeah, what yeah. happened yeah. to the subplot <laughs> no, here yeah so i'll jump in here there. please they they open the movie it's kind of confusing because they open the movie on a chimpanzee on clearly on a film set uh, like a tv like a live tv set like if they had filmed full house or something but it's this chimpanzee kind of like plodding along you know just doing chimp things like touching stuff but there's like a bloodied woman's body and you can see the chimpanzee has like blood on its mouth and blood on its hands and you get the feeling that like this is after an attack because you hear you kind of hear the attack happen and then we go in on the monkey uh, the chimpanzee. Yes. And so throughout the film, we return to this scene and kind of watch it develop. We watch this play out. We see earlier and earlier sections. So part of it is Steven Yoon's character, the Jupiter Park uh, owner, the guy who like has been feeding this beast, was a kid that survived. And he watched it happen. He was like on set, watched this monkey just lose it, snap, and then proceed to viciously maul, which is what it is, like his, his teenage co-star, murder at least one or two other people and just like make everybody freak out Um, and he just had to sit there and be super quiet because you can't attract the attention of a predator Mm -hmm. so the important and it's kind of like not related to the plot my 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 instinct i was like oh maybe this is like how steven ewan like got an ability to communicate with predators you know and i was just trying to make it work but it's, it's not it's not directly related to the alien plot it's specifically a way to model how we should feel about a feral animal. Mm-hmm. And it is exactly the, and, and this happens in real life, which I think is part of the horror of it. We can get into uh, is like people who own wild animals as pets is a dumb idea. Yeah. Like we, shit. yeah. People who have monkeys as pets, like any kind of, any kind of monkey, they like, they'll warn you. They're like, do not do that. Mm-hmm. That monkey, it, it just because it's great for five, seven years in a row does not mean it's not going to snap. People who have like tigers, crocodiles as pets, like that's not okay. You, you shouldn't do that because it is still a wild animal at its base. And that is not to demean it. That is to respect it, mm-hmm. which is, you know, why kind of OJ can even like compete with this thing, right? right? Like he sees it as the animal that it is. Mm-hmm. But us as an audience, especially Americans, I don't know how Europeans are about this or anyone else, we don't fully understand what a feral animal really means uh, because we see these things commonly through, you know, like nature shows. Um, we see it like attacking other animals and it's always from a distance. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have that idea of like, like if, if a gator were to go off and just start chomping on people, 
we wouldn't fully be able, like our brains wouldn't know because we just don't. That just, fully that just triggered my mind it. of those. Uh, I forgot about those editing scenes where the uh, the cinematographer is sitting whenever they come Related. back to him in yeah. his editing yeah. room and yeah. he's looking at because the cameraman of wild is, animals and apparently each other. you were telling me some of the first IMAX footage was uh, is an African safari. So the first in 1967 they had this apex kind of not apex but uh, I forgot the name of the theater but basically. Uh, 65 was created along with 35 in this kind of dome, right? And it, it basically just trying to uh, show landscapes. So the first couple film, the first film on IMAX was, I think it's called something Tiger. I can't remember, but it's just random places like Africa. It's just all landscape, right? And then eventually, like in the 80s, they started shooting with IMAX, like shorter, like documentary, but also just like short films and stuff. And it wasn't until... Uh, the 90s, they came up with this process called, and I'm probably going to get beat up for this, but it's, I think it's uh, DMR, and basically it converts 35 film into IMAX, right? Got it. And just to give you a, an idea what IMAX film is, so IMAX is uh, 70 millimeters, right? Um, now there's 70 and 65 millimeter, right? But the thing that's different between IMAX and regular 35 and 65 millimeter films is how it's going through the threads, right? So uh, normal film thread is basically um, vertical. So the film's going through vertically, right? IMAX, and it usually, you know, 35, 65 and stuff like that, it's like it goes from two perf, three perf, four perf, and I'm getting to the logistics, but <laughs> five perf, right? And those are preparations. Yeah. It's basically like the little holes on the side of a film. Everyone's right. seen it. So with IMAX, it's uh, it goes through the thread horizontally, so it's a higher aspect ratio and wider, right? So, but with this, it has fifteen perfs, so it's a massive amount of film. So, um, let's see, I'm getting caught in the weeds with this. Yeah, but but they use it um, for a lot of documentary stuff, mostly documentary. Because you stuff. can get really good images, and yeah. like IMAX is massive, so you're capturing. It, not just like a close-up, but you're seeing like the whole savanna on display all at once. Mm-hmm. And there's there's ways to get composition for IMAX, right? You have, right. You have to keep in mind, like people will get caught in the weeds mm-hmm. of like the landscape. So mm-hmm. that's why you usually see your characters riding in the middle. Mm-hmm. Even when it's like OTS, like coverage, yeah. that person is going to be in the middle. Mm-hmm. They do that because also like when it goes to television or they go through they certain theaters. They have to cut theaters, the aspect ratio down. Correct. Right. So like you go from having this aspect ratio of 1.43 to one and then most theaters are going to be like 1.90 to one right so they like cut that down yeah. tremendously you're so gonna lose a lot of headroom you're gonna lose a yeah. lot of headroom i'm gonna pull actually i'll pull this quote um out of order because we're going to talk about uh ben hoitema in a minute here um but the main quote that he says about imax that i think speaks to sort of this conversation right now but i would want to come back to the monkey thing yeah but uh the uh so <laughs> his quote is that you know the imax image is like you said is 1.43 to one so it's more of a square um because of the size the experience is more visceral than observational so you end up composing much more in the center of the frame um, you can stay wider while getting the same effect as a close-up. Um, and Boom. that's from, yeah, that's from the cinematographer. You, you said uh, what Hoy, he said, but ben like Hoytema. he said it in two sentences. Well, well I had, I, I I had a, a quote prepared from the, from the cinematographer. Because um, then I started thinking like, oh God, no one's going to know what I'm talking no, about. No, no. So then you go, oh, let me try Yeah, to, no, I got to yeah, explain like, this. Yeah. No, but, um, and then so getting back to talking about, so we've, we talked, we kind of digressed for a second, but uh, in the conversation about, like we said, so this, um, there's this crazy chimpanzee scene that gets sort of, 
refrained back to throughout the film a couple of times. Yeah. Like the film starts with it only over audio, and we get a little snapshot of it. Um, then as the film starts to develop, um, we basically start cutting back to it, and then we eventually get the full and most jarring and disturbing scene where we basically see the entire event unfold. Which we see the violence it being is committed. Like, and that's the thing I, I see the parallels is it is just as scary as the as the 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 jean jacket the mm-hmm. monster Absolutely. because like it's it's also very real mm-hmm. like yeah an alien's scary but mm-hmm. a feral chimpanzee that snaps mm-hmm. it will fuck your day up absolutely and i think there's two things here and the first one i think is, is the one that you pointed at which is you know there's the, the thematic parallel of of this animal um that is being exploited for profit and by the industry right right um jordan peele sort of talks about the main thematic driving element of this movie or one of them at least is the idea that film has just historically been exploitative in its nature um, as the industry has evolved and uh, which goes around. back to the Moybridge sequence it, yeah, their exactly. whole point about that which <laughs> I didn't even know about the writer I was like shit they're right yeah. I thought Moybridge was the jockey yeah I was an idiot um, but the, I know, I know yeah. I'm learning uh, but and so that being the case like we see this this chimpanzee uh, thing that happened and traumatized uh, you know one of the main characters as sort of being a parallel and setting him up as being like well there were two things he could have learned from this he could have learned how this industry or this type of environment the exploitation of right. not only a wild animal but anything right whether it be a wild animal can lead to consequences in this case the worst consequences imaginable um, yeah. which can I think you know as a thematic parallel it's, it's not a very hard line to draw um, I think you can make that connection pretty easily between that and then you know the UFO and then also the wild horses that OJ has is specializing in yeah. training. His different approach, not seeing the horses as being something to be exploited, but something to understand, work with, and yeah. and, and train. And, and Which to... gives him, you know, a better understanding mm-hmm. of the thing that they're trying to get a photograph exactly. of. Exactly. Like, like this whole point, he's the only one that figures out mm-hmm. it's not a ship. It's a it's a thing. It's a beast. It's and not like only a, a is predator. it a beast, but it's a predator that's he, like, trying to it. establish. It's a territorial yeah. predator. Mm-hmm. It's predator. And then yeah. once you take that into account, you see it's it, that's exactly how it's behaving. Yeah. yeah. The scene that we described earlier of the flying saucer coming down and committing a mass murder, absorbing all these people, and then dumping the blood on top of the house, it was performative. It was its, yeah. it, demonstrating its control over its territory you know it didn't really kill or have to do anything else it could have scaring the hell out of the right of the people in the same yeah habitat. it behaved like the chimpanzee did in those earlier scenes the second thing i think about that the this subplot right the refrain back to the chimpanzee is is its function throughout the movie right um i think that a problem that movies like this have um and why i disagree with some of the articles i've read that say you could cut this stuff out and the movie would be just yeah, fine I dis- without what? it i disagree yeah as well. i was like i was like you're completely missing the point of how this maintains the tone of suspense throughout the movie yeah. i think once our main characters kind of get into their mission mode right they've established their goal they start putting the tools together getting more teammates on their you know squad to yeah. go and get the photo they want um it's really easy to lose steam with that as you ratchet, you know, you kind of barrel towards the end, which, you know, becomes an action sequence. So I think Jordan Peele in editing and both in writing it expertly inserts these scenes to maintain the heightened level of unease, suspense, and then horror um, for a film with this in, within the genre, right. Right? including those things, which are maybe the most graphic things that happen in the movie. It's cool, too. At first, it's a puzzle box, right? Mm-hmm. You're watching the scene. Like, the critics are like, we were all watching it, like, how does this relate to the alien? Like, mm-hmm. what does this have to do with an alien? And then we realize it's not a, uh, a story connection. It's a, like, a sensory connection, mm-hmm. um, which is, I'd mentioned it earlier, but it's kind of the same thing as, like, we're supposed to be 
terrified. Like when he says it's a beast, that's scarier. Because that's the thing I think is kind of like Peel's larger point is like, we all want to pretend that aliens are like intelligent. Mm -hmm. They're like, aliens could just as easily be a fucking crocodile that comes out of the sky. A shark. Yeah. 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 Essentially a shark in the sky. Yeah. And he's kind of like, we haven't considered because we project our our own image onto these Mm -hmm. things that if there was extraterrestrial life, it would just be a monster. Mm -hmm. I came in it kind of weird. Right. So with that beginning scene with a chimp. Right. So, Again, I'm going to mention I'm from the South, and I grew up uh, for about almost eight years on a farm. So one of the one of my responsibilities were pigs, right? So imagine this little six-year-old kid I was scrawny, you know, bringing pig, pig feed over, and these hogs, they're not even pigs, they're like massive, and how violent, <laughs> and they ate everything, right? And you realize, oh, these are not cute little pigs. These are not pets. Right. Because they go being small and cute into these massive things mm-hmm. that are m- really violent. So when I'm watching the movie, I'm seeing the chimp. I'm like, oh, yeah. That I, thing's a monster. I, yeah, I can see that happening. Yeah. And it's just, it's nature, right? Yeah. And us not respecting the nature of, of, of these beings yeah. that are on this earth because, again, we're just like, since we have been, you know, classed with the ultimate predator, the ultimate, the, you know, the right. you know, top of the food chain, we kind of look at things as a lesser being and kind of go, that would never happen, right? These things. Do <laughs> you want to talk about the actual? So pigs will eat. And for the record, pigs will eat anything put anything. in front of them. Oh, yeah. People have died, yeah. and pigs will just eat them. Oh yeah, there's yeah. been a, uh, Robert Picton famously was a murderer in Canada who was uh, probably he fed was people those super pigs. pig rich. Yeah, he had a whole uh, industry built around the fact that he was a pig farmer, and he murdered several people, and then just had his pigs consume them. Yeah, uh, I so, want to float. Sorry, I, I want to float one last thing too. Is the monkeys important? Because Stephen Yun, like his yeah. character. Right. You think he'd come away from that being like, I never want to work with wild animals again. But he he has this brief moment where he kind of like knuckle bumps the monkey because oh, even it's though it's jarring, even though it's too. feral, it still remembers either its training or mm-hmm. that level of intelligence or and at least he, recognizes him as being right. You know, and the lesson familiar. he learns is not that these things should be respected, but that just because they're beasts doesn't mean they're not smart. And right. so he sees it as like I can exploit this intelligence. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm one. I like we're one to one. Like I can treat it the way I would treat another person. But it's almost like he's a child actor. Yeah, and they're exploited. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. So there's that kind of it's connection like that with hurt that. people, hurt people. <laughs> yeah, kind he, of exactly. he grows up to be a yeah, grifter. Exactly. Because yeah. yeah. like that whole scene to me was that you know, if you watch it right, the main thing you don't do with animals. Is like look them in their eyes because they take that as oh a sign God. of aggression. Yeah, when he does the horse this. on set, I was like, uh, yeah, he pulls "Why the aren't light, they listening to this thing guy?" Out? Yeah, I was like, his whole training montage at the horses? beginning. I was like, "Fuck that set!" I yeah. would have been like, "I'm out, bro." <laughs> have, you, have you worked a horse? Set? No, I haven't worked with any animal. <laughs> well, I, I guess we 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 kind of did. What did we do? It was a dead deer. Ooh. Oh, I didn't work that day. <laughs> I worked that day. It was weird as shit. It was the weirdest day. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not legally allowed to say anything. Well, anyway, just like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it, they're animals, right? Yeah. So, you and that first scene is the best example it's of a, it. The perfect. And I yeah. think with Steven's character in that, in that sense of why I reverted back to its training was because he hid his eye, his, his eye line from the, from the, from the chimpanzee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when the chimp got in there, he was like, oh, this thing's not looking at me. And then he stuck it out. And then that's when Steven lifted his head and was like, and then gave him that respect. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, you, is you see what the dad, the guy that played the dad in the sitcom, mm-hmm. came out was and like immediately tried to bully it and into, tried to bully yeah. it, you know, and then a balloon pops again, and yeah. it's just like 
Gable. Which oh, sound was, design. Dude. Sound design. Yeah, because it happened like off like panned yes. way to the right, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And oh, it, it, man, it panned dude. out to the, like the right speaker and you don't see the balloon pop. And either. there's no, it's all just sound foley and sound effects. There's yeah. no like, you know, like uh, so scoring like, or anything that happens so during So here that. I go. Full circle. Ready? Here it is. So the dad, like Keith David dies mm-hmm. and they say like it's been six months and then the movie kind of like the events start kicking in mm-hmm. and uh, Steven Yeun says, you know, I've been feeding this thing for six months. Mm-hmm. So my theory is that uh, his character kind of just stumbled across this thing, found like found it feeding maybe one day and in like a kind of like Life of Pi moment. Like thought he was like befriending it and kept feeding it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. and that's yeah. the reason. Because that's why he bought all the horses, right? And and all the coins and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason this whole thing kicks off is because the monster just shits essentially the coins and kills their dad. Mm-hmm. He was basically feeding a raccoon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And not basically knowing. a very yeah. big scary Lovecraftian. So raccoon. like the whole story <laughs> happens because because Steven survived that monkey experience. So I think technically that it is a story piece. Yeah, because. It's just, way there was way one back. moment where i thought like i literally so whenever they start the carnival show right uh, i literally thought as he was because i was like oh shit this kind of came out of nowhere that he knows what's going on and he has a jacket that has yeah, a ufo you on don't it. Think i was about like it at all. was this just some weird prank that he somehow managed to pull off he had some weird like drone in the sky that he was able to right. like do it with oh, i but thought he was it, trying to chase them off their own ranch at first i yeah. was like maybe he's just trying well, to chase them off that, to buy yeah. their property and i was like all right cool easy dots connect and i was like well maybe it's something that he invented in some weird way and then there's right. gonna be some interesting like other subtext about that but then nope it just comes and fucking like yeah. obliterates everybody yeah. and oh man it's it's gruesome and it, as like a little cherry on top the scene where they all where the crowd gets obliterated he brings in his old <laughs> co-star oh who survived yeah. the beating who is like you know you you feel so poorly for these people because like she has no lips yeah, yeah. Like, so if you if you've seen the first trailer you know exactly who this, this chick yeah. is it, it basically she stands up in the trailer and looks and she's she got, has like, a veil a over her which face. is funny because i thought it was going to be alien related. same I, I in the trailer like, i thought that he she said, was a yeah. miracle he says yeah. what's a bad miracle I'm yeah like, oh is this thing granting wishes or yeah. something yeah uh, like Shinron maybe it guy? was a monkey paw <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was a monkey paw right monkey paw productions but uh yeah and then you like i when you see her face because i i connected the dots before mary kate and i like i it was one of those movies where my eyes my whole mouth i was just like oh my god she survived it's like more she's terrifying. wearing the shirt she's with her old face on yep. it too it was like yeah. scarier she survived he said like, joining us today is my former co-star and first crush and then like the name of the actress yeah. or whatever and you're like jesus but if you go back to when before yeah. the ape went batshit like she was uncomfortable like you can see her face like she and that's something too that jordan does really well he is a minimalist, right? He focuses on like people's mm-hmm. reaction to stuff, right? Yeah. So like I looked at her, I'm just scanning the whole frame, but I saw how uncomfortable she was. Like out of all the family members, she like she was uncomfortable. Even like Stephen Young's uh younger character the character play younger him was like, you know, he was more uncomfortable because he couldn't remember his lines. Yeah. She was uncomfortable because she was like She's like shit's about to go down. This is a animal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so since we talked about that that character, the former co-star, do you guys know like the true story that you could say this is loosely based? This is like, that thing Peel does, where I'm like, shit, I didn't know half the <laughs> shit he's talking about. I yeah. literally said, I'm gonna look it up and, and then, see if there's any like animal related. There, there has is. to be. There so, is because in our industry, we don't work with animals off. like that. 
Yeah, yeah. shit pops off. So there was a chimpanzee. Um, oh, you know. There was a male chimpanzee <laughs> who, as an animal actor, appeared in several television shows and commercials, including spots for um, Coca-Cola, as well as on television programs, including the Maury Povich show, uh, The Man Show, well, which is disputed. Um, on February, 7, uh, February 16th, uh, 2009, this chimpanzee mauled um, his owner's friend, uh, Charla Nash, in Stamford, Connecticut, um, blinding her, literally chewing off her face and yeah. causing her lower jaw to not be uh, to be removed essentially she yeah yeah <laughs> lacerating her chill. face uh, nope. before he was uh, shot and killed by a responding police officer um so that chimpanzee's name was uh travis by the way nice uh, <laughs> full Tra- circle moment travis the chimpanzee yeah uh, was owned by uh, the heralds uh and like i said yeah in 2009 um this wasn't the first incident but essentially he took the keys of one of his owners and ran outside uh so the entire group the three of them chased him outside uh and then their friend who was just there charlotte nash attempted to like coax him back and so he jumped on her and mauled her it's worse that she like this person had very little to do with the monkey like you were just wrong time wrong place i'm gonna be this guy do it were they white yeah (laughs) (laughs) the only black i know that's owned a monkey is michael and that's questionable when he bought that monkey because he was paler than anything and then mike tyson bought a tiger and you were like, ah. yeah. apparently in this situation, yeah, Charlotte Nash tried to lure him back with his uh, with a tickle me Elmo doll, oh uh, and it set him off. And Literally so, like waving a red flag, kind of. Yeah. That uh, sucks. So that's one of the true stories. Of that's this the thing, and, and like Peel has. I mean, I don't know if it's like concrete in all of his movies, but this one especially is like two or three stories that you film people know for sure. Like mm-hmm. we know what the Edward Moybridge uh, sequence is, but he like kind of points out no one knows who the jockey is who's being mm-hmm. filmed the first actor was a black man mm-hmm. and we like don't think about that at all we're like oh the historical significance of the guy who invented the process yeah we kind of glossed and over feels this like look at the horror here like this they is our like, yeah lie. they were like oh we just want to prove that a horse floats at right. one moment yeah you know? <laughs> yeah we kind of yeah, glossed yeah. over this but it's in the trailer um and it's one of kind of like the main like introductions to the movie the idea that so the haywood family um are the the great-grandchildren that at least uh, emerald and oj are the great grandchildren great great grandchildren of uh yeah the jockey who was who's riding the horse uh in the photography created by photo photographer or experimenter uh edward moybridge yeah moybridge uh he was uh yeah like an 1800s photographer experimenter for the record also a murderer yeah oh cool it's all full Thanks, circle. Daniel. Yeah. You're welcome. He <laughs> murdered, uh, I think his wife was cheating on him with someone. So he tracked the guy down, uh, shot him in cold blood hey. and got away with it because he was, he was, a uh, he was already working for the guy who commissioned the cinema camera. Nice. And so basically his boss <laughs> got him the best lawyer possible. They were like, that's why there's a six year gap between that and the actual Moybridge sequence happening. Like uh, he was in court. Nice. Huh. Interesting. White guy. Uh, Beating we, the system, baby. Yeah. Um, we, White we, guy. We also kind of touched on this as we were kind of getting into the the nature of, uh, you know, the monkey and, like, the animals and the whole theme of, like, wild beasts. But uh, one of the other main sort of rules of the alien in this movie, right, is that it's engaged by you perceiving it or looking at yeah, it. Yeah, you look it right? in the eyes, kind of. Um, so what do you guys think of this theme of, yeah, like, eye contact being, like, a running theme? Because, like we said earlier, it's referenced in the very first scene in the movie where they're on that set. OJ is attempting to be the, the horse wrangler. Um, for this whatever they're shooting some film thing or whatever Uh, and there's all these like little microaggressions that happen in the course of him trying to just like do his job and tell people to like hey don't stand behind the fucking horse I felt so bad for OJ too because he's like he's a horse person but like he doesn't want to be on set he just Mm -hmm. wants to take care of this horse Mm -hmm. he got all his father's traits in the sense of hard work and knowing 
the animal where Kiki's character got all she the, got the sales. She mm-hmm. got all the sales from the dad. Yeah, because, her personality is just so outward. Yeah, because yeah. you know Daniel's character OJ was trying to like sell like what they did, and then like Kiki jumps in and does the whole thing. You she know? does the spiel, but like whole with more energy. And, yeah, mm-hmm. but so, he's the practical one. So it yeah, but like the fact that we can't look this monster in the eyes is so. I love too that we, like characters do it and like realize they're doing it. Mm-hmm. So like I think uh, Angel does it once or twice where he's like watching this thing. He's like, cause mm-hmm. it's so massive. How could you not look? Yeah. And he like realizes and like shakes his head and looks down immediately. And you can see the panic. Cause they're like, oh, did it see me seeing it? Yeah. And, and what Kiki a cool Palmer does it too. Yeah, it's it's like, like I said, that's, that's why I still, uh, this thing is also, yeah, even more Lovecrafty and like the, the nature of it as like, we talked about this, I think in our last series about like uh, mimetic monsters, like monsters that are given power by being perceived or like spoken of. Right. Yeah. So things like Samara in the ring Candy or Man. Uh, Candyman or uh yep full circle uh, yeah monkey exactly. pop productions mm-hmm. were the ones responsible for yep. the yep. newest yep. candy man mm-hmm. um or like bagul and sinister but yeah candy man stands out like as one of the most ones where it's you know by perceiving or like even thinking of this thing you give it power and or even in this nature yeah. like by looking at it um which is not only a cool horror theme but yeah within i don't know i feel like there's a lot of like social like shit with that too where it's like everybody like averting their eyes from this thing that they're you know that is threatening them it's like refusing to give it the power it deserves Mm -hmm. um, right in a very vague sense Mm -hmm. i think there's more bravery to not look like the scenes where he where daniel kaluuya has to walk and not look it in the eyes absolutely and you can't go fast because you'll draw its attention like that steady very normal like you cannot let it think you're scared you cannot let it even like think like you see it is some of the most incredible bravery in yeah. the movie it's so yeah. courageous and it's crazy because like the other big element that gets introduced is like so like we said at the beginning the goal that their their mission throughout the movie is to try to capture it on film to try to like you know use that to you know solve their financial troubles and you know make a difference in the world essentially so because of that it's like they, they're using all these electronic cameras so even trying to photograph the thing is right. like you know you're trying to perceive it but also trying to capture it on film um, and then we introduce our uh, our Richard Dreyfuss character uh, the, uh, the the grizzled old cinematographer uh what'd you guys think of this dude daniel was laughing at me because that's my life probably that's yeah. probably what's gonna happen to me because yeah. i love this speech he gives like you're climbing their way to the mountain <laughs> dude. way to the top and i've been doing it for years, years. his voice for years he's got one of those yeah the Smoker's uh voice. like uh yeah. the uh what is it I, uh, ralph ineson the green the green knight yeah he eats gravel for breakfast yeah. and just fucking yeah, yeah. Oh, I loved his fucking his presence in this movie. Do you he, think you've met like a a guy like that in the industry? Like you've worked with somebody oh, who's kind of yeah, especially yeah. on that. I was going to say, I think so too. That first scene where he's just like sitting back there, and they're like, oh, and then acclaimed cinematographer, and then like <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. And then you like, know how many commercials I've done and met guys yeah. that are just like miserable that they're there and like been in the game way too long. <laughs> yeah, it's like I get it. Like you get it. Yeah, they yeah. needed to retire, but they like also they're miserable because they can't like they don't want to retire. They're those people that are like, oh, I got to give it up and then never do. That's part like, of his you speech. You hate your life. Yeah, that's part of his speech later, right? Is like chasing the light at the top of that. Well, hill. that's the thing. Like, it's like in our industry there. because you, you got two kind of ways of looking at it, right? Mm-hmm. In our industry, there's a technical sense of like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to go home and I love my family. And then you have the art sense of it where mm-hmm. you're searching for something and some people never find that, right? Yeah. And they keep looking and keep looking. The impossible looking. shot. The impossible shot. Mm-hmm. And he's that guy that's just been looking for something to make him 
the reason he's in the game. Yeah. Like, that's what he's looking for. This is for. his white whale. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, he's Quinn from Jaws. Yeah. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's what he go. is. He literally is. And, like, it, it was as soon as his character came back into the movie, I was like, this is Jaws. Like, I exactly. turned over to Tyler next yeah. to me, and I was like, this is Jaws. And even to the point, especially, so the fact that they bring in the IMAX cameras, right, the handheld IMAX cameras, and he's cranking it like a fishing lure as he's, oh, like, you know, filming this man. thing, trying yeah, to get he's it. Like he's trying to get it on so film, trying to reel it in yeah. and stuff um and even all of his yeah all of his stories and his uh, ambiguous like vague uh you know diatribes that which he goes is funny because he has like angel next to him when the, in the big climax he's yeah. like this kid who's like yeah. from fries like represents exactly. modernity that young blood like right. with yeah. his cameras and shit and who's like, like digital camera by the way because yeah. that's another thing in our industry where it's like you got old heads that are like uh-huh. film is life and then you got these younger guys like no digital's it blah 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 <laughs> but, yeah yeah and like you know yeah it, it's just such I also wild. love that he goes out with the bang too, because he's like they get the shot. And presumably everything is bit like they're like, oh shit, we captured that. But then he's like, day's not done, and he picks up the fucking camera and goes and chases the beast down again, and just smiling, just gets sucked right up into the. Which might be my, and I'm gonna y'all are gonna hate me, but I think it's a little bit of a fair criticism. Is I think it's a little underbaked, like his turn, fair. because it it kind of comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You get it, they're like big triumphant score. We did it, we got it. And they're like, hey, did we get it? And I thought he was just going to be like, oh, film like got fucked up or like we overexposed because he said something about the light. And I was like, mm-hmm. come on. But man. yeah, I think that's what they that's Jordan playing with you. Right. Right. But mm-hmm. it, you can see earlier and he, he says, was taking pills and like hearing his voice and stuff like that. Yeah. And like maybe he's sick and they're like he's like, fuck it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's layers to it. I think you don't yeah. get the first time. around. I think if you listen to his. Yeah, I think you can like like I said, I he is the fucking Quinn. Yeah, he's the Richard Dreyfuss character. And like even the stories he tells is like the, the purple man like, story. Yeah. Or he starts seeing yeah. the purple, pur- the <laughs> purple people flags. eater. Yeah. Purple, one eyed yeah, yeah, yeah. one, one horn flying purple people yeah. eater. Uh, yeah. He, <laughs> so seriously. It's the fucking most <laughs> ominous. Too like tough for you. What? Uh, one horn flying purple yeah, people. <laughs> like, I'll, wait, I'll, what is happening? I'll vector your voice down and we'll, we'll Please. get you your... Uh, oh, that'd be badass. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you're right. That is maybe his uh, his presence in the movie is a little too short-lived or it's a, that's a little too glib. A little too unexplained. But this is where I always think like they shot it, but they didn't have the space for it mm. like in the release. I'm like, I bet Peel has more of whatever that phone scene is Absolutely. maybe or more mm. of them like planning where you kind of get the hint this guy could twist off yeah if right. you watch the trailer you remember the the basically him and angel are under the tent and he's like i'll be rooting for you kid yeah. that wasn't in the movie yeah oh, there's right. stuff that i think does they made they got on the cutting room floor because they were like we can get with we can get without it yeah, yeah even 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 the uh you know the sitcom show where uh in the trailer there's this guy walking and people are running out and yeah. he's like walking down like mm. the back lots so it was just like yeah, there's plenty to this story that we don't right. know of. Some directors right. cut where he, he um, has a which was role. funny. Which is film. Mary Kate <laughs> did this. She clocked it before me because she was thinking about like Jordan Peele and Get Out, and she was like, "Of course, the only white guy in this movie gets it and isn't happy." He's like, <laughs> "He's like, you know what? I'm gonna go like film the hell out of this thing. Like, I I yeah. can get more. Yeah. It's like that greed. She's she's like, it was the only character who was too greedy." 
Like they could have ended the movie if he let go. It was just like okay, well, well and then looking there's at the, the TMZ. I know we gotta got talk about the TMZ guy the because TMZ this is guy, one of my yeah. favorite fucking like the comedic nature of it is fine, but it's like it's hilarious because like they the guy shows up like as like their mid you know pl- mid plan execution. They have everything in place. I Something love, has to go wrong. I know. Right? I love yeah. their plan too, though. So like I want to talk about the setup of their plan because it's just ingenious and I think it creates a lot of the iconic imagery that's gonna make this movie kind of like stick around too. Yep. Basically, to solve the problem of the fact that the uh, the monster makes all electronics you know stop functioning whenever it comes around them um they want to figure out and be able to locate it so they go and uh, steal all the car batteries from uh, the parking lot of the neighboring ranch where everybody's died because uh, they don't need them anymore and then they go set up a bunch of the uh, wacky wavy inflatable tube uh yeah man, um in a sort of like a like yeah. a like an area grid like a grid pattern mm-hmm. across their property so they can tell whenever the thing is camouflaged in the clouds they can figure out where it is yeah because one um, of the wacky like the inflatable guys will just die mm-hmm. it won't work uh which is hilarious and then the idea is that uh oj daniel kaluuya's character is going to go right out on the horse so he doesn't have to use a car or anything and then basically he's going to wrangle it and then it's and it, it, i love yeah. when this becomes a western and yeah. this is when the, the genre bending nature of it is like it becomes a western and seeing him go like he's trying to break this thing he's trying to break it yeah. like it's a wild stallion yeah, or yeah. something um and in the course of that though something has to go wrong we gotta throw a wrench in it so a fucking guy rises up on a electric motorcycle and he whips out a camera and kiki palmer goes he's so disturbing too that guy <laughs> yeah, was dude, deeply was i was like yeah. bro you gotta get the fuck out yeah. like, <laughs> i don't like which this. is why it was so satisfying that he immediately gets eaten like they, no, not just that they like she doesn't listen to Kiki, who Give like me my camera. <laughs> she's like she's like, hey man, you, you can't be here. You gotta go. The news breaks out. Forty people went missing. So TMZ sends a rando. We don't even see his face. Just no. a guy in a yeah. silver in like a Daft Punk silver yeah. helmet. And he like whips a camera out and is like, "What happened to the people at, at Kiki?" Who's very overwhelmed. She's just like, "Hey, you, you can't be here. They're they're mid plan. They're about to do this thing." Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, "Well, I'm headed there anyway." So he starts going to the property, and you're watching this guy, and you hear Angel go. He's like, "Hey guys, we got a problem." They're like, "What?" He's like, "Answer me this: What happens when an electronic bike going 60 miles per hour runs into an uh, a force field anti-electronic field?" <laughs> and you literally just watch like from the like the super wide max just. And the guy just goes flying. Yeah, you got the whole stormtroopers yell. You know? Yeah, scream. <laughs> yeah, oh, so uh, great. which is you know just he has that comedic beats too. And um, that, I mean that that's the genius appeal too, which is like this is our media. Like this is how media goes after their story. It was a little bit of Nightcrawler in that whole scene. Too, yeah, you know? yeah, and it was just like. This is what we want to do to media right here. It's just like they're so dumb that you can butcher them. Yeah, it's just like not only are you so you would you would like walk right into an alien's trap and get eaten. Um, which is and so, then because he doesn't know the rules, uh, so yeah. OJ tries to go up and rescue him on on oh, horseback, yeah. right? Uh, he even tries to pick him up and shit. And yeah, that's when the dude TMZ is like, "Where's my camera? Take a picture first. Did you get that?" <laughs> like, uh, yeah. but then, I, I love the, the subtle scene of him just going. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. Because <laughs> eventually the fucking monster shows up. He turns around up, and leaves. And he, he tries to tell him, don't look at it, you know, look away. But, of course, yeah. the guy doesn't know the rules, so he's staring right up at this and, giant yeah. fucking and UFO. And there's, like, a great – so this is a visual bit, too, is uh, when they do the horse in the first scene. Because um, we actually – we deal with this on set is when they're doing, like, um, plates. Yeah. They'll bring in that giant mirror ball, and he held it right up to the horse's face. So the horse isn't supposed to look – like like right in it's in a mirror like a reflection, yeah, reflection. like that mm-hmm. and the guy's helmet is just a giant Sorry. mirror ball exactly i watched it and i Genius. looked at mary kate and i was like that dude's about to get destroyed <laughs> she's yeah. like why i was like mirror yeah the mirror on the head Genius. yeah and so yeah o- oj makes a valiant effort but then is like nah he gets out of there he's like, i'm yeah, sorry dude i'm sorry <laughs> and he like rides off uh god damn it it was so funny 
but yeah, he rides off. They like they manage to like and like wrangle the the giant monster into doing these crazy maneuvers and shit, which which right Elgor they can't, film it. They yeah. get it hand crank on hand cranked film. Which I also thought was kind of funny because uh, they teach Angel how to do film changing, and I was in like, "In real life, how the hell does that guy know how to do that yeah. so quickly? Like, you think like someone who learned it oh, in no. fifteen minutes would have just fucked it up? Absolutely, it takes a as minute. a as a guy that changed film. Uh, last time I did it was on a Solange music video, which um, I would never do. Nerve wracking, right? Because <laughs> yeah, they, they're, like, they're like, they're like, we gotta go, we gotta go. Yeah, and, you have you like know, five minutes to do this. You have less than that, and I jumped in to help the actual loader that day. I was actually seconding that day, and yeah. I jumped in to help the loader because we were falling behind because we we're shooting off speed on like oh I think four hundred foot mag, which is like fucking 30 seconds yeah <laughs> so it was just like so was, you're loading like every other take and we're in houston in heat yeah outside does that affect was, like wouldn't that like melt something or oh I yeah it melts okay. everything <laughs> yeah yeah we had occurred keep, to me as i was watching that scene too i was like they're out in the fucking dust yeah, and like all yeah, of the, yeah the, like, that loading station is real like yeah. the way that he just reaches his hands in like yeah. a sterile environment it has to be perfectly dark in order to do it so you don't expose the film like yeah. i i don't know any about that process but i know enough to look at it and be like that's actually that's how they it, do it it's funny because with that story that job actually got me another opportunity during the pandemic i didn't take it because my daughter first birthday was happening but it was an m night movie oh shit can you guess what movie it was was it old yes jesus christ they're on the Ugh. beach they're on the beach they're shooting I think 35 you dodged a bullet with that one they're you shooting 30 they're shooting 35 on a beach. That's just you know so how much cool. sand and all that yeah. and all that check. I was like, she asked me, I was like, I can't. I was like, no. I, oh, my kid, my health. I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> I was like, also, I can't do it. it ended up being a fucking terrible movie. So. Oh, he's got off. I didn't watch. I mean, <laughs> well, you're, that's M Night, baby. You're that's like it. the bottom of the ladder. So something goes wrong, which it will, because like you said, you know, sand, heat, desert, film. Like something's water. gonna go wrong. Water. They'll throw you under the bus before anybody <laughs> Absolutely. else. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're on the subject of, of film and stuff. We kind of touched it like the way that cinematography plays as a character in this movie. Um, do you guys want to talk about Hoyt Van Hoytema for a second? Fuck yeah. Yeah, that you do. Uh, so the I want you to talk about it because I, yeah. I, I I'll, yeah, I'll, okay. I'll give an introduction. And Come you, on. You, you, go you have off. to reel me in. Yeah. You know I'll so, go. <laughs> uh, the cinematographer for this film, uh, which was filmed on IMAX, uh, is is famous. Uh, you could say notorious for his his fucking exploits uh, on film. But man, he's captured some amazing shit um so nope uh, in 2022 he also has worked with christopher nolan on multiple occasions doing a uh, tenant um he worked on ad astra he worked on dunkirk again with christopher nolan he worked on specter interstellar yeah. uh, her um another one that i actually didn't know about until i looked it up let, let the, right the right one, one in, in. yeah, yeah one of my go favorite yes. yeah Oh, I love it. It's a really great, uh, you know, foreign my right vampire now. movie. I didn't know that one. Yeah. Um, oh, have you I mean, seen I've the seen original? It. I've seen the original. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. thought you were talking about, you know, Greg Frazier. And, it's uh, it's no, an adorable no. little vampire movie. I've seen uh, it. Do you know yeah. they're making a series out of that? Seriously? Yes. That's I just saw awesome. that. Oh, my God. Hell, yeah. Um, but, yeah, the dude is crazy, and he makes amazing shots. He has a very unique style, and I'll let you talk more about this. But notably, I think one of the one of my favorite facts that I learned about him, like, today as I was researching and stuff, is that he was one of the first guys. He's, like, kind of known for, like, he shoots handheld on IMAX yeah, because yeah. he's a fucking beast. Like, yeah. How well, ripped see, that, must that, that guy no, be? He's, he's very out of, he's out of shape. Yeah. But here's the thing. <laughs> uh, so Nolan is kind of the guy that kind of reintroduced the whole IMAX experience, right, mm-hmm. into feature films. So Wally Pfister, who is was Nolan's DP for, for like everything. Everything. For everything. I think the only thing he didn't do they was They started follow. on Memento. Yeah, because yeah. he didn't do following. He didn't do following. I think Nolan Memento. shot following himself. He did. Yeah. He did. So 
you know, Wally Fister stepped away from DP to become a director of a movie called Transcendence, Transcendence. Yeah. which bombed. But now I think Wally's doing a lot of commercials. But anyway, uh, somehow Wally introduces Hotema to uh, Nolan. And Wally's actually the, the guy that him and Nolan developed the handheld IMAX thing. So, <laughs> oh, uh, wow. Hotema, was it, so it, was it, it wasn't for Dunkirk first? What was it for? No, it was for Dark Knight. Oh, shit. <laughs> Jesus. That makes sense. He went because he wasn't a deep, yeah. So, but he yeah. was just like a camera operator. Wait, so on. okay, so a great example in the Dark Knight. Did they use that handheld rig when they're in the dining room scene? Yes, you know, and he's like terrorizing yes. the crowd because that would yes. be That's they're so on eye level, cool. yes. whatever that. Yes, that yeah, that whole scene with God. the Joker and all that. That was yeah. that was all handheld. So, um, but yeah, so it was Wally Fister and Nolan coming up with that, and then Holtima jumped on, and Holtima has like mastered it, right? Yeah. I don't know if you understand how big and heavy these cameras yeah, are. Yeah, I saw images of him like holding the whole fucking rig as yes. he was filming on Dunkirk or something. These fucking like, cameras Christ. are damn near 100 pounds, if not more. I mean, the spool of IMAX film, if you do any research on IMAX film, even if you watch how IMAX film is like projected, it's a massive effect. Yeah. It's just a massive thing. So, you know, Holtema just... He doesn't do too much digital work. The only digital work that I know he's done was that... You remember that... Uh, Apple commercial and homegirls dancing and it's like stripes and I think I think uh, so like one of the first ones uh, Spike Jones was the director of it and that's the only time I know he's used a digital Mm. everything else has been IMAX 35 but yeah uh Sunday scaries. The thing that I love about Hotema, right, and people kind of hate on him, is just his natural way of lighting his sets. Mm. Daniel and I were talking, or Daniel kind of mentioned this to me, and I was like, you're spot on. But in Nope, this outside work on dark skin, as dark as Daniel's skin is, and you still be like, oh, this is gorgeous. Daniel Kaluuya, not my skin. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. (laughs) I can see you anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why, thank you very much, Jamario. I mean, yeah. But yeah, just just the way he lit that. And, you know, I, I told Dan, I was like, oh, it's definitely, they used like, like uh, air lights and stuff like that and some light towel and stuff like that. But still, like, that outside cinematography at night in the middle of fucking nowhere, that is amazing. And you're shooting IMAX. Those so are some of the most stunning ones for me. Yeah. Especially when the horse, like, first runs away and it's just, like, pitch black outside. Yeah. So you yeah. can see, like, the full nighttime it's like sky. It's pitch black, but it's not. Like, you right. get that it's dark, yeah. it's but just you top can lit. see everything. It's just top lit. Yeah. And I was saying, like, the units, like, they had, like, probably, like, air unit, like air lights. Giant, like, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, with air units, you can, like, have it tied down, and you can mm-hmm. kind of control where it's going. So it's easier to control than having, like, some big reflective or, like, a massive light up mm-hmm. there, right? Yeah. And there's other things, that like towels and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that, that they have they can use, but, like... Jamario sent us some behind-the-scenes photos that we're going to put up on social oh, media, too, oh, with this uh, post, use, so... Eh. That's cool. But yeah, uh, Hotema is a guy that's known for his natural cinematography. And the big thing about him and what I like and that people kind of hate is that he lights in the sense where it's not beauty lighting, but it's so well shot, it still turns out beautiful in a a different sense, right? Because he's not into like having units on set. He's going to have a big unit outside blasting in to make it a natural effect and use the reflections of that big right, unit right. to kind of fill in those so spaces. you're like essentially enhancing what would be a natural light source exactly. beyond mm-hmm. what it already is. Yeah, so what, what, what is possible feel. with. Yeah. Exactly. I was going to say, like, throughout this movie, there's so many. That's the other thing about, I think, like, Jordan Peele's framing of things. But then also, you know, this is part of the writing, too, is he seems to, like, be setting up 
so many things that are like iconic and just like visually iconic and that are new and not solely referential from whether it's you know that random shoe standing up by itself during Jeez. like the the blood pouring down the window yeah the, the one blood for me. pouring down I the window like, or the generational shot right the there. outside shots of the house whenever the yeah. spaceship is above yeah. it creating like the blood umbrella yeah. Uh, yeah. with the blood pouring down because that yeah the the fucking the grayness of those shots yeah. too because the whole tone visually shifts in that in that specific sequence right where Daniel Kaluuya is trapped outside in the trailer and he's trying to figure out how to get them out of the house and they're being trapped by this monster that is like posturing at them essentially um and it's like but from the outside shots like they frame that house like a classic haunted mansion or something it's it's silhouetted against the gray sky that's the that's the psycho shot yeah yeah, the base hotel shot yeah Yeah. or exorcist shot you know that's Mm -hmm. you know that's their that's their little love letter Mm -hmm. yeah you'll never forget that location you know that like but any that old house covered in blood yeah in the middle of nowhere kind of the rolling hills yeah even from there to like the you know the shots of the waving uh tube guys outside Or to even like one of the some of the shots that I thought were beautiful is when they go to the diner after they kind of like are taking their break, Mm -hmm. right? And it's really straightforward, but they're just like stoned eating (laughs) in the diner. They're just sitting there eating, and then he finally is like. I think we can do it. Yeah. Like, he's like, oh, I think fucking, they're like, we yeah. don't want to talk about that yeah. right now, man. Um, but those shots to me, I was like, they they were just, yeah, like you said, the the hyper-realism of them, and like they're just so clean, though, but like framed in such a way that every shot is a poster when you're looking at it. Yeah. And it's just fucking gorgeous. Right, yeah. which like lends itself to marketing, because now that oh, yeah. every fucking frame is like something you could sell the movie okay. on. Not many people can do that, right? And right. It, it, it's kind of taboo, right? Where if you're watching a film and you notice a cinematography, then a cinematographer goes, "That's I'm not doing my job properly. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's how I feel about yeah. it because Roger Dinkins says it all the time. And I go, Roger, stop, bro. Every frame that you have in anything. Right. Like we haven't watched of all people. film and been like, bro, that's a fucking art. <laughs> like, right of all there. people to say that. It's like, Blade dude, Runner have you seen your movies? Come on, yeah. dude. Like Blade, Blade Runner 2049 was like, Okay, Roger, stop. That man bullshit. has been knighted because of his like facts. Glorious we talked shots. about the assassination of Jesse James, I think, uh, on the last podcast, and I was talking about. I'm sorry, I wasn't. Well, on that no, one. we weren't talking about the movie. Uh, I just recommended it, at the, or we uh, talked. We were talking about something else at the end, and it just came up in the which conversation. Andrew Dominic, uh, new biopic on Netflix mm-hmm. in a couple weeks, I think. Yep. I think that yeah, that, that's what kind of spurred us. The Marilyn Monroe biopic is yep. his. Right. Chase Irving shot that. Mm. Ooh. Okay, so you know I worked with Chase. I feel like went on what Solange music video. <laughs> I don't know your whole IMDb. His entire IMDb. Me, no, that okay. I mean, I, I I said it that way because that video beat the shit out of me. But Chase yeah. was like one of the homies, and he held it down for the whole camera crew. But that's besides, besides mm-hmm. the point. But. Yeah, so aside from the cinematography, like we kind of hinted at this, but the uh, the other big element of this, I, I kind of like ending on all the positives of it and everything. The uh, you know the, the Spielbergness of this movie is something that, that yeah. immediately kind of like Counters. jumps to mind. Yeah, um, yeah, Close Encounters. Like, I mean, some of the sound, like some of the sound design when the machine appears, like there are a couple of the ish things yeah. in there. <laughs> um, the uh, like I said, I've been talking about it throughout, but yeah, this movie is Jaws essentially. By in, in the later half, I leaned over to Tyler after the movie's over, and I was like. This is Jordan Peele was like, let's do Jaws, but it's a Western and there's aliens. Well, you know what? You said it earlier and it made me realize this is like it, it, Jordan Peele is a notorious nerd, right? Like he's yeah. a cinephile yeah. uh, and like he he'll, and he's played every video. So game. Much like affection he's for the art definitely form, yeah. like he loves anime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. that part. He so. loves anime. <laughs> but I, that's the thing is you can tell someone who loves the form because they are they like they are consciously and subconsciously copying some of the greatest things, but they do it in a way that like like subverts their expectations right mm-hmm. so the jaws theme 
we were thinking it was in Close Encounters when really it was Jaws, Mm -hmm. which is him being like, I know what all the tropes are to Mm -hmm. get you to think that way. Mm -hmm. And only someone who's seen a thousand alien movies can say like, oh, every alien movie does this, which is what Get Out was because he was like, that's the ending is every the black guy always dies first kind of horror movie trope is the joke. But he's like. I know this. I've seen yeah. all of the movies that Even make for him this. to change the ending of mm-hmm. Get Out to, yeah. you know, Chris surviving and not going to prison. Right. You know? Yeah. So right. he understands it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it's just something that, like, he, he knows it. And you see his references. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mario yeah. called me and he was talking about, he he has this great anime reference. Jamario, what does he reference? Akira. Yeah, when she slides on the motorcycle. Right there the motorcycle the slide. End. Yeah, it pays off so good. They, they, at the very beginning, she's like, I do motorcycles. Yeah, call exactly. Off, right? Yeah, and then you're like, that's got to show up at some point, right? Yeah, and it yeah, does. Exactly. Whenever she's in the final chase with the alien, uh, she pulls into the old, like, the theme park that was created by the neighboring rancher <laughs> and just, yes, does the side slide. It's so great. I yeah. literally was in the theater. I was like, <laughs> sitting up front. I was like, Tatsuo! <laughs> I literally watched, uh, somebody was uh, interviewing him for Nope, uh, and I watched the interview today. It was one that went out, like, on Wednesday or something. Yeah. And uh, they were trying to, like, provoke him to, like, be like, all right, if you could choose any IP to be in charge of to direct uh, something. Yeah, that's such yeah. a and he was like, question. Exactly. He was they like, always do and his now. answer was perfect, though, because he was like, I've kind of learned from where I'm at that my obligation, not only to myself, but kind of to the art form and the people, my fans and stuff, is to make original stories and oh, to, to make my stories. And you're like, Thank yeah. you. I get it. But he was like, but if I was to say, I, I love Akita. And it was like, <laughs> you're like, yeah, you Which do. is wild. So get this. Right now, the person, you know this one? The person who is going to adapt Akira. Oh, uh, yeah. I know this one. Yeah. Who, who do you think it is? I thought it was, well, early things, uh, Homeboy from uh So this script has been like musical. flopping around a bunch. Yeah. Like it, it's, Akira, they've been trying to make a live from action Akita for decades Is it is like another Netflix thing or is it? I mean, oh, Netflix no. is so horny for live action anime. Oh my god! <laughs> this One Piece thing, this is gonna be weird. Yeah. Gonna be you, weird. I've been like Yu Yu Hakusho because they're gonna do a live oh, action. Oh god! Did you see the images? Yeah, I, I didn't. Did. Oh, I just saw that the cast. Not, yeah, yeah. Very, uh, yeah, that was, was like one of my nervous. first favorite animes. Taika Waititi. The last I heard of really? the Akira adaptation That's was coming right. out of his I heard corner. About that. But they, they, I think it's like part of a deal because I think he has a couple other movies, and it was just something he probably floated. Was like, what if I did this? Yeah. And they're like, sure, fuck it, like try it. And I don't think it'll work. Like I, I just the only it's way not this thing. will work if it literally isn't whitewashed. That's the only way Akira is gonna work. Yeah. It's in Neo Tokyo, so it's yeah. like there's Everything. no way. Like I'll yeah. give I'll give Netflix respect on Yu Yu Hakusho. They're all Japanese mm-hmm. or at least Asian. Right. So uh, they look terrible though. Yeah, I do. It's, but just, it's like too faithful in some ways. I'm like yeah. I don't know. I just don't. I think, just don't get it. I don't. I don't know whether that art style will ever transfer faithfully to look okay it's inherently we're going to go down a rabbit hole i have sorry we can't we can't go this way we can't go this way okay sorry let me let's finish our conversation about this and we'll do it off air um so the uh so the other thing like as we're talking about the 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 affection for genre that jordan peele has um yeah the the entire last act of this movie like the western elements that pop up in it are so fun that was what was most thrilling for me was that like dude yeah uh yeah exactly like dude yeah OJ riding out on the horse and yeah as they're like wrangling this giant monster um, it just gets so to that final shot whenever she's finally like she's trying to turn her face into a smile um, after yeah. she finally gets yeah. the shot the monster's been destroyed uh, and she looks and then the smoke clears and OJ's just there on top on of the horse, horse. That's silhouetted yeah. just fucking perfectly yeah um, which yeah. like god I was so glad he survived I was like man that sucks yeah. like the thing the thing I think that the thing that's beautiful about it is their whole connection with the that I see you thing yeah. like him doing that towards her he's like I respect you I see you mm-hmm. and then you know 
um, him actually having the courage to do something his father couldn't do. Because you know how his father mentioned this one horse, uh, was it Ghost or what was the name of the horse that they couldn't like break or yeah. Jean Jacket? Oh, right. Or, it was, I can't remember who yeah, it was. Yeah, it I think was it was Jean Jacket. Yeah. And they couldn't like get that 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 horse's submit like something mm-hmm. his dad couldn't and do. And his dad's like some horses just so, don't break. Exactly. Right. So they name the, the alien. Jean, Jean Jacket, jacket. So and he good. breaks Jean Jacket, and it's just like that's so. It's also oh. such a badass name for also, a fucking monster. Okay, and I could talk about this movie forever, but every chapter is named after a different horse, yes. which right. made me realize I think every chapter is technically the story of each horse. Don't do this, Daniel. Don't do this. No, yeah. am I wrong? I mean, it's not a very strong through line. You mean like from the perspective of the horse? No, not from the perspective. <laughs> oh, like, but it's like so. Like the first chapter is Ghost. I think the second is like Clover. Mm-hmm. The third is Lucky, and then the fourth is Jean Jacket. And I think that's part of. Well, obviously, it's like the through line is yeah. Like he's trying to tame this horse or break it, like he right. would any of the others. And we start to realize Jean Jacket isn't a horse. It's a. It's an alien. Yeah, but I was trying to figure out why, why have, why even have chapter markers like that? Because I could watch that movie through without any of the markers, and it would probably play yeah, just as that well. That is something yeah. that I forgot about that I kind of like forgot. And to... I and I and I was confused because like, what is ghost? Is ghost like oh the monster's a ghost? What is lucky? Is it they were lucky to survive? What is clover? Mm-hmm. And I just kept being like, well, they are the horses' names, and technically, those are the horses in each section. So like, yeah. ghost gets eaten at the end of the first chapter. And then I think he sells Lucky, and Clover survives, and then Jean Jacket is the is the alien. Yeah. So I was like trying to be like, well, I guess maybe like no, I mean there's definitely sense. something there. Like there's in, in like the there. episodic nature of the, right. the movie. Yeah. That but makes why sense. name it after the horses? Yeah. You know, or why have it at all? I just thought it was just something yeah to like have to like anchor it around. I guess like you're, yeah like you're maybe saying, we're that's over a good way to put it. Yeah, maybe we are over assigning intelligence. Like yeah. sometimes you like here's an easy way to like break up. Like here's a new section. Like mm-hmm. kind of like. Yeah. Get us and all it's also a in the motif of like, yeah, like westerns and like the chapter, yeah, like kind yeah. of you know and named after like western horses, yeah. yeah. Um, that's food for thought. Audience members, if you're listening and have yeah. an idea, yeah. go watch the Buck and the Preacher and uh, or Buck and the Preacher from 1972 and tell us uh, some of the more uh, other <laughs> I would say homage to, shots uh, with Jordan. Sorry, okay. nope. like with Jordan Sorry. and it being homage to Jaws. Jaws was the first summer blockbuster. Yeah. And here he is with summer with this too. Like that yeah. just hit me too. I was like, wait Perfect. a minute, yeah, yeah. yeah. son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah, even the someone pointed out, like, yeah, like the um, whenever so when it sucks up the uh, the model horse and the, so the the trail of uh, flags is behind it. Yeah, that's like whenever they get the the buoy oh, yeah, tied the, to uh, the to yeah, jaws yeah, yeah, and yeah, he's dragging yeah, it around. Yeah. And then even so, the monster at the end of this one, it gets blown up by sucking up into its giant rectangular orifice, oh, uh, the balloon, and it explodes. Right, <laughs> just like the tank explodes the shark at the end of jaws so Son of a it's, bitch yeah Jeez. it's in there yeah we thought it was close encounters but it was jaws the whole yeah. time yeah and that's like i said going back to that critic like they lament that it's not close encounters but it's like he wasn't trying to do that he was like he wanted you to think he was doing close yeah. encounters but really i think he can have his cake and eat it yeah, too like because and this it is, also doesn't have to follow a previous thing here's it's just, my observation it's fun too to do that yeah. middle section is scary uh-huh. like that is horror yeah, yeah. yeah. but that thought that final third i you know i'm trying to mary kate and i were both trying to like weigh it out because we're like you know when the monster's finally unveiled it's more spectacle than mm-hmm. horror yeah. which is kind of like the respect like we have that respect you have for predators like it's you're it's in a powerful creature you ought to give it props but mm-hmm. also you need to respect it like fear it but it was less to me like terrifying and more kind of like thrilling mm-hmm. and i i thought um you know this is like a misuse because everybody kind of throws things that aren't ex- like explicitly horror into a thriller bucket 
And so mm. it's like a thriller is a thousand other things as well. Yeah, action and, so and thriller. It's like, like what is the genre? Mm-hmm. And that is like you can't pigeonhole these things. So there's sci-fi elements. There's horror. Like you can't watch the middle third and tell me there's not horror in that movie. Oh, yeah. It's you know like a thrilling ending and still like yeah blockbuster spectacle like big chase scene mm-hmm. like wild set pieces. So it's like part of me was like I people are gonna be sold and that's marketing are sold on the idea that it's a horror movie. Like all the stuff you see, all the sc- it's all scary bits. But that final third um, is it plays out. I don't. I just don't know how to describe it outside of like thriller because that's such a catch-all term. And I think that uh, I mean I that might be some than of anything. the criticism uh, yeah. that people are levying is just like the it, tone it wasn't is too what dynamic. I was. Yeah. yeah, or like yeah, yeah. I was like it, it wasn't that one thing I was sold. Mm-hmm. But that one thing was still really good. Like I got what I was sold, and then I got more. Mm-hmm. And a little you, bit people of get good, kind of nervous. And ugly at mm-hmm. the end. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like staring it down. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's what's great about it. I think that actually is like what because because Jordan Peele is such a great filmmaker and has like like we said has so much affection for these different genres. Yeah. I think he successfully makes them coalesce around each other, and I think he can have like you said have his cake and eat it too. In the fact that like the first and second act, you know, especially I think climaxing with the uh, the house scene and the gray you know tone visual tones um, is you know the, maybe the climax of, of the horror element you know tone, and then as it shifts into action western yeah. Um, yeah. towards the end and stuff it it's it's fun and it's great because it's it bends perfectly into that and it's almost like that's the solution to fighting the monster is like oh we yeah. stop treating it like you know we're not like let's stop acting like we're in a horror movie let's act like let's act like we're in a western because the characters yeah. almost yeah. make that decision and yeah. it's a yeah and that's what that's when the tone shifts i think the the thing that we when we think about Jordan, we don't. A lot of people just don't think about Key and Peele. Yeah, I know. He did all these genres. So sketch the, stuff. Yeah, on, he did all these genres. That's what Mary Kate yeah. was saying. Was like years from now, when like uh, Gen Z is like watching his movies, like way down the line. Yeah, we'll be like, we remember when he was a comedian. Like <laughs> yeah. when he and he was a good comedian. Oh yeah. Like his sketches are the stuff of legend. And, you ask me who like some of my favorite modern comedians are, and Key yeah. and Peele at the top of the list. And for me, it was it. It took me a long time to get in Key Peele because. I was such a big Chappelle fan. Right. right. He's like, they stole the my show. Heir apparent, <laughs> the heir is apparent to Chappelle, but yeah. Chappelle walked away. So. He walked away, which is fair. But yeah. still, I was just like, yo, what? Like For yeah. years, yeah. I was like, I'm not watching this. And then I saw the uh, the skit about the racist zombies. And yeah. I was like, sold. Would you let me marry your daughter? <laughs> like, absolutely. Uh, are you locking the door? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like they find out they're aliens, whether they're racist or not. Oh. Yeah, and um, it's cool, too, because people – we didn't – I didn't, at least, as, associate humor and horror in the way that we start to understand jokes follow a, like – I don't know if this is the right – like a semiotics, like the same kind of principles as horror. And it's like set up, yeah. tension, payoff, and the payoff is greater because of the tension you create. And, like, repetition can create better payoff or – and so all these things. So people are like, of course – you know, Jordan Peele is an incredible horror director. Going from a scare to a laugh. Yeah. That's it. I mean, and laugh he knows scary, to right? balance it. That's yeah. the thing is some horror movies are all dread. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we... Or it, they try to execute humor, but right. it falls flat because it's... And not, we do yeah. like those movies. People mm-hmm. do like... Like, Hereditary, I don't think there's a single happy moment in that movie. Not Jesus one. Christ. No, Ariasa's And it is slog. just brutal. Yeah. But we do like it. We like it yeah, for the reason beautiful. that it exists. But we love Peele because he gives us, like, those waves. Like, you get to laugh and, and cry, even in, like, a horror sequence. Yeah. So you're like, I my heart is racing, but this is like that nervous laughter is just as valuable as my like my my clutched hand. It's a, it's a true experience of going and watching right like a summer blockbuster. Like mm-hmm. you're gonna get all the waves of everything that you need out of it, and walk out of there and go, 
I feel complete. Yeah. And it is the I feel tightest. Full. <laughs> I got every nutrition group like that I needed. It's the tightest rope to walk to yeah. make jokes in a horror Absolutely. sequence. You, it, it, like, you can tank your movie by making us all think we shouldn't take this seriously Absolutely. because everyone's making jokes, which is, okay, They that's the joke about Marvel is like that no one takes it seriously. Mm-hmm. Right. Every hero is like, I don't know, I'm going to beat the shit out of this guy and call it a day. Mm-hmm. Eat a take cheeseburger. That, yeah, take that Thanos. Yeah, yeah. something they're like, here's a quip. And you're like, okay, but too many quips means right. you don't Absolutely. care. It means yeah, they, I don't care. They burnt their humor into the ground. But Jordan Peele, it's like a knife. Like he mm-hmm. just knows it. It has to go right here, and that's it. And just his casting, bro. Yeah. Like I was talking to Daniel, and I was like, I think Kiki Palmer is like one of the most gorgeous women in the world. But as soon as she opens her mouth, I'm like, oh, that's my auntie. I'm like, yo, that's <laughs> that's my aunt. So like everything I see her, I'm like, yeah. it's hard for me to watch. I'm like, whatever. But like. This role, I, I heard something too. Jordan Peele was talking about. He made this role specifically for her, and she wore that glove better than anything I've ever seen. Yeah. And Daniel, just him being, how she can fucking you, transforms with every role? Can, I mean, like, he did some stuff that I was like, Jamaro's definitely done that to me. Absolutely, he's made that that look. I've absolutely. seen that look. Yeah. yeah, I do it on a daily basis. So I yeah. can see it every day. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just his way to that minimalist thing that we were speaking about earlier to say so much in his face. Yeah. He spoke with his face mostly in this movie, and mm-hmm. I knew exactly what he was talking about. Yeah. So, I mean, the cast was phenomenal. And then and also, like, putting Keith David in there as a, as a great homage. Like, I mean, uh, yeah. what was so the Twitter thing, right, where Adam Ellis, the horror author, was like, or the horror illustrator was like, can we all agree that Jordan Peele is one of like, the best director <laughs> oh, of all time? Yeah. And Jordan Peele <laughs> was like, real bro, like, have you heard of John Carpenter? Yeah. And uh, so with the fact that, like, putting Keith David in this movie as, you know, I mean, just having, I mean, he belongs in any movie, but, like, <laughs> seeing him in a horror movie by a director who also has so much love for John Carpenter and just being like, right. that guy's gonna fight. But that fight. goes back to his bona fides. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, he knows knows what he's doing he, like he's seeing yeah. it all he's and his, hearing his voice it. is so comforting too like yeah. even in, in like whatever adr and voiceover and stuff they did yeah. like at throughout his presence in the movie i was like fuck he is he's like such a comforting presence yeah the, the flashback provided to him you're like yeah. oh man like if he had lived they really the ranch really would have been okay yeah. yeah it provides the emotional weight to i think yeah there's there's some like the idea that these characters don't develop enough but i think like it's just our attachment to them is plenty like through well that is my criticism yeah i'm, I'm i think it's going to make more sense. I just mm-hmm. think some of these criticisms will wash out after a couple more watches. Mm-hmm. You start to realize like it's all spelled out in like deep subtext mm-hmm. because I was kind of like the way they started the movie was strong. I'm like, okay, like you said, like the brother got the horse stuff, the sister got the sale stuff and the two of them don't get along. Mm-hmm. It's like in order for them to save the ranch, they have to learn how to work together, mm-hmm. which is now that we've talked about it, I'm like, Oh, that is the final sequence is mm-hmm. he's the bait and she's the photographer. And they kind of like that that click, and they're they like get both what they want. Everyone yeah. gets what they want. Mm-hmm. Just keep that in mind. Like yeah. Angel gets his opportunity to prove that aliens do exist to a certain mm-hmm. extent. The cinematographer gets his ultimate shot. Kiki gets her fame with getting the shot, right. and then and uh, she's oh, like she's literally dropped in front of the like she finishes in front of the right. news cameras as they right. roll up. She's the one who gets to go talk to them, right? Mm-hmm. And this then like OJ gets to prove that that like. In his father's eyes, he's worthy because he tamed something that was untamable. Yeah. So it was just like, yeah, it's it's subtext that you don't see because you don't. They don't overtly talk about their dad's death after like the first thirty minutes, mm-hmm. and so you kind of like, well, what happened with, you know, Keith David being gone and them like trying to figure out what to do in the wake of his death? Like, how are mm-hmm. they going to run this thing? It all just becomes alien speak, but the alien is like the mechanism for them to process, like they the grief they, over they, there. Yeah. yeah. What's well, a weird like? I mean, I don't know. If, you guys have siblings, but I mean, I know. I do. Yeah. yeah. 
but it's like a weird civil, like uh, you know, sibling rivalry kind of thing, right? Because the marker, uh, the marker, marker, well, I can't even speak, but they, you know, they, their father never like respected them, right? You, you look at like with Kiki, like not being able to train the horse because he right, that's her main like conflict. She yeah. was promised a horse and her right. dad gets a gig and gives the horse to the gig instead. Mm-hmm. And then you see also like the dad like bitching out OJ mm-hmm. and right. like like steadying like kind of beating him down and OJ's kind of like, taking it because he's that son that's he's just, the quiet like, takes, one. Yeah, he yeah. takes it all in and processes it in a different way that yeah. makes it more quiet. Where Kiki is just like the younger sister is like, fuck it, I don't need their approval kind of thing, but the, ultimately that's what she wants. And but he says, too, he's like, you were always more like dad, and that's why you two never got yeah, along. That, exactly. And that's that, that's, oh man, that emotional payoff from that, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. It comes at a perfect moment. So I was kind of like confused because I was like, you know, it is a lot about how to, how do these two people cope in the wake of their father and realizing that their father kind of like, uh, raised them well, but just like that they needed to find that balance in order to be successful. Mm-hmm which I'm only just not realizing is, is there. It's yeah. definitely yeah. there. And I was like, oh, shit, now i got to go see this. Oh, what are we doing tonight, guys? <laughs> what a good movie. Yeah, you guys want to see it again? After <laughs> you want to leave and go see this? <laughs> All right, well, let's wrap this up real quick. We can go watch it again. I'll just blow off work uh, tomorrow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, man, yeah, like I said, throughout the, our entire conversation, I think it's clear that we that we love this a lot. And there's lots to talk about. I think everybody should watch it. Yeah. I think it's going to be one of the best movies that came Five out this year. Five stars, Angel. Five stars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Perfect. Absolutely. Hey, you're going to be getting a call from my supervisor after this. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'd like to close off with a, sometimes like a recommendation for stuff that you either watch that you didn't like or really did like uh have you seen any movies lady jamara that you hated or loved or shows or well, doesn't have to be horror anything i mean no it's horror so uh she will um i watched that one uh it's kind of this european witch kind of thing um gorgeous um i also watched the watcher i've gotten a couple of recommendations for that i need to check it out it's really good i like it and the next thing on my list is men you haven't Ooh. seen Men yet? Haven't seen I'm it. I haven't seen it See what yet. you think of it. Yeah. Yeah. You haven't seen it yet either? No, not no. yet. Yeah, I, think I we, will, but I, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. I've already bought it. <laughs> I know. Oh, you I'll, bought I'll, it? I'm planning yeah. on renting it and watching it. Oh, God. Point. No. Don't do that. Okay. So I shouldn't have bought no, it? No, that's fine. You can buy, you can buy it. Uh, <laughs> I think you'll I mean, I mean, think you'll find things you like about it. Yeah. Well, there's, there's stuff thing, to like You're a mood guy, though. I like the atmosphere. There you go. Yeah. It's very cerebral. And Alex Garland is nothing if not atmosphere. Yeah. I, uh, I did. I did come across something in him talking like this is like his last film he's gonna do. Really? Because mm-hmm. he's just upset. Whatever. Quentin Tarantino says the same thing. He's yeah, like, "This is my last one. Yeah. I'm out." Unless he pulls a carpenter and just goes plays video games for the rest yeah. of his life. Like I don't know. I've some of those guys. Some of those guys have been beat to life. death by the system. That it's you're like, all right. Yeah, yeah. and it sucks for Garland too because he's got he's had a longstanding career. He mm-hmm. wrote like a bunch of stuff before he got into directing. I didn't realize he wrote Sunshine, um, and then Danny Boyle went and directed it. That's true. Alex Garland wrote also, Sunshine. Also, the zombie film. Uh, 28 Days Later. 28 That's days how yeah. they got started. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, this guy has a history of like being in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, he, I, you he know, needs we'll his see. deal. Yeah. But maybe he'll just go back to writing or something. It's like, I don't I don't need to direct this shit. Y'all are going to roast me. Yeah. I enjoyed I enjoyed uh, Devs. So uh, Yeah, Devs was yeah. a big one that people pointed I to. I haven't seen it yet. Don't spoil then. it for me. Um, you see anything, Daniel, you liked or hated? Uh, yeah, I've been rereading. Well, uh, I'm reading the screenplays for Station Eleven right now. So we're Jamari and I are both huge Hero Mirai fans, which uh, we talked about. We've talked about um, the Bear a bunch on this show because we just happened to be recording for the six weeks that it aired. So it's like every every three episodes is like me being like the Bear or like Travis being like the Bear. 
exec produced by Hero. Yeah. Um, but he shot and directed. Well, I guess he directed um, a whole bunch of Station Eleven. Yeah. Which uh, I'm reading now, and it's a fantastic screenplay. Obviously based off an incredible novel. Yeah, he did the um, odds. Yeah. Episodes, the odds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. Uh, super validating for like anyone who's an artist, like the, this show, because it's all about uh, people living in a post kind of like apocalyptic world like a virus kills a lot of people but it's not about like shooting and saving each other like it's about a traveling circus troupe who just performs shakespeare yeah and the whole thesis is like um like art matters it was like in the end of the world uh yes like engineering and science matters but art matters just as much it's like the ability to express yourself is one of the most powerful abilities a human has yeah also why the last of us got pushed yeah oh because it was too too similar like, yeah yeah it's too similar yeah yeah i listened to craig mason's podcast and he was saying like he's like that was so much work we yeah. just we just shot for like nine months straight oh they talk about it on script notes yeah oh, nice. yeah yeah they did one recently um so I, i've been rereading it and i love the show it truly like you it's a great series there's no like it's it's a fantastic character piece and kind of like it looks kind of shoddy, but it, that's the point. Is yeah. they do a really good job with all of it, and I and I, like they do a pandemic stuff, and it aired not long after the pandemic yep. went off. Yep. So it's like huge swing it was too, for them. It was too close. Too yeah, to watch it's like it. a little it too, too real. Too yeah. yeah, and there were like one or two scenes um, where it's realistic because like he like this guy calls his nurse sister, and she's like, "Hey, get out! Like, go find." Like, go find your brother and, like, lock down. Like, get everything you can. And they do that scene where he goes to a grocery store and spends $3,000 on groceries. On his sister's credit card. Yeah. And the cashier's like, is this related to the pandemic thing? (laughs) And the guy's like, he's like, I don't. Like, it's so funny because he's like, I hope this clears. Like, he'll probably just take it. Like, no one's at the grocery store. It's midnight. And the guy's like, what should I do? He's like, go home. Like, go find your loved ones. Go home. Yeah. And they, they have a way of processing it that's so human that you you feel it. Like, I felt it. I watched it, and there was some stuff I was like, man. Yeah, I've gone through it twice. Yeah, but they'll but it'll get you there. Like, by the yeah. end, you're like, oh, my God, I feel like a complete human. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah. everyone is, like, worthy of love. Art is incredible, and Shakespeare is amazing. Even though, like, <laughs> some people think Shakespeare is kind of a blowhard, and that's fair. Um, so I, I've been doing that. And then Reservation Dogs, the season new season, two. Yay, drops yay. in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. yep. Uh, Sterling Harjo's TV show shot out in Oklahoma, a uh, whole bunch of like undiscovered talent um, for the young for the young kids out yeah, there. You put me on that. That show took me by surprise. That's I was like, I'd heard show. all the hype about it, and I put it on, and same, I was like, it deserves it. Same kind of concept. Yeah. Well, not same concept, but same idea. Like my some of my favorite stuff is that um, you can like dark comedies are amazing because you can have that like really fucked up moment and then still laugh after. It's like it's it's like part it's of what have a lot human. of heart too. Yeah. It's about humanness, mm-hmm. um, which is the bears like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love reservoir reservation dogs. It's just such a, and it's got that dry humor, yeah. uh, exec produced by Taika Waititi. Uh, he doesn't do a lot creatively with this. So people kind of get confused. They always see like his name and that's how you sell the show, but mm-hmm, it's really, absolutely. it's really Sterling and his like team. They, they were a sketch group, uh, doing improv shows out in Oklahoma for a while. And I think some of it was them taking these jokes that is so specific to, um, you know, the indigenous person's experience. Um, and now like growing up in like on a reservation that I don't relate to at all. I like boring old white guy in like North Texas, but I watched it and I was just profoundly moved. And half of the crew was native too. So yeah. And you dope part. Yeah. So like, you know, you, you could like, I would pay twice as much money i would literally pay could like give to this indiegogo if it existed or something Absolutely. like this needed this needed to be made and the story needed to be told and it, it fx 
Like they're like seven for seven with TV shows with me. I am like, if I have to give up a streaming service, it'll be the one that doesn't have effects because I would, I could watch everything. That <laughs> Are you looks. listening? Are you yeah. listening? Netflix? Netflix could Stop go. Stop making your live action animes. I have said, I have Please. gone on record. You, I, you, I could, if I had to choose, it would be HBO because they have the deepest catalog. Oh, like yeah. their stuff goes back. They have, They're adding you know, like TCM. 24 new A24 movies too. Yeah. Like, they yeah. have TCM's catalog too. Mm-hmm. So like I, I get my, my Studio deep cuts. Studio Ghibli stuff. Um, but, oh, man. Yeah, so I, I those are the shows I watched, and then um, I caught the last hour of Colossal over the weekend, uh, with Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis, and I it's a movie a lot of people sleep on, but I really the more I think about it, the more I like it. It it kind of is so it's so fascinating. Basically, Anne Hathaway moves back to her hometown after she's kind of burned out in New York, and you find out like she's just had a shitty breakup. Um, she's just trying to put her life back together in her late twenties. And she gets drunk one night, and they find out that when she walks onto a playground, a monster appears in in uh, Seoul, South Korea, yeah, talking about kaiju and shit. mimics yeah. her movements. So you find out that she is like she controls a kaiju, but it's this very weird dynamic that is like only from six in the morning to six thirty or something. Uh. And so it's like, what is? It's not about that mystery so much. It's about her like reacclimating to her life and discovering like what uh, like abusive relationships are because she kind of she meets Jason Sudeikis who's like this divorced nice guy bar owner gives her a job and then like the longer the movie goes on the more you realize that like every man is like kind of failing her in a lot of ways and yeah like she can control a kaiju and that's kind of like the gimmick is how, how they keep wrangling her into scenarios but it is just about because Jason Sudeikis knows and so all these like guys kind of know about it and then she processes like why her life has been shitty is related to her trauma and then like attaching herself with dysfunctional relationships and falling for it. There's, there's like a great, I want the last hour I watched, I was like, Oh, that is the way they do it. I'm like, that is exactly how an abusive relationship works is like yelling and screaming and fighting. And then literally like, sending furniture to them or like love bombing them <laughs> because it's so up and down it like indoctrinates her and you're like oh i watched and i was like this just happens to, it's like this is a movie about abusive relationships that just happens to have like giant alien oh, monsters yeah. and robots fight love how, how disappointed are you that we didn't get to work with jason but like our like what our bro good how did. is that the one thing i'm like <laughs> no thank you they uh, they call me for that too but i you know i still i'm okay i'm okay yeah, you're okay with it yeah i know I, I was disappointed that we did the other film oh you did uh i did you more for the yeah should we i don't think we can say that travis really? you may have to i don't honestly uh, know well, well shit uh, 247 i got you <laughs> oh yeah we are <laughs> i've gotten in trouble before over it, so. well, i mean the likelihood of us getting hired by them again it's not well, it's now nil. it's non-existent yeah um <laughs> we it was funny because they shot a movie in dallas with jason sudeikis and evangeline Lilly. that uh didn't edwin work on that one yeah, uh, yeah. edwin and edwin jacinia um, <laughs> uh they're great people they're they they like Ed, if edwin's Edward's working like on it you're in good hands yeah, yeah absolutely um and jacinia is amazing too uh but it was just one of those things they like it, like indies like you just get your butt kicked and you do you want to do another 16 hour day four hour turnarounds for like half of what you normally make to work with jason sudeikis and you're like yeah. eh, i mean that would be cool i'd like to get to know him <laughs> but i yeah. also like he's not gonna call me yeah jason i mean sudeikis us doing the pol- me doing the polar movie at that so- the same time you know I only did maybe six days on it. Yeah. Because I was like, I've got to go make money. Like, yeah. You walk great. away from those gigs like, I don't, 
and and you kind of get starstruck too. That's you do. Yeah. That's the I think that's part of the insidious thing about some of the producing behind it is like get the chance to work with like so and so, and you're like, but oh, it's cool. also too like and, the the thing was is like I thought they were going to be building more. Yeah. But like anyway, it's yeah. not important. Tying it back to Nope, I mean, one of the running themes of the film industry being exploitative. Yeah, the and the, <laughs> and Jamario knows exactly. Well, he's yeah. still working in the film industry. I am still, <laughs> but he's crushing it. So yeah. I I'm actually super stoked for him. I'm yeah. going to brag on him because he deserves it and he won't do it. Yeah, I'll get it. So Absolutely the only not. things I was going to say to watch were um, they put recently they put Last Night in Soho on HBO. Um, and I didn't catch you know that what? in theaters. My, f- I think it's better than Baby Driver. It's weird. It's yeah. So for Edgar Wright stuff, I like it more than Baby Driver. Yeah, man. Really? I just I love Edgar Wright and I love man. Just everything yeah. that he's that he's. It's weird. He's I watched it and I was like, I can't fully explain this, but I like it more than Baby yeah. Driver. Yeah, really? Taylor Joy, yeah. Matt Smith is in there. It, um, there's like more of an emotional investment in yeah. this one. This Baby Driver was great, great spectacle. I mean, they're, 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 yeah, they're two everything films. there. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. But last night in Soho works like more thoroughly than mm-hmm. baby driver does. i think the only thing attracted me to it was that chung hu cho shot it who yeah. shot parasite oh, and all yeah. that so i was like oh i'll check it out for that yeah, yeah. i mean because it's, it's a beautiful movie it's a beautiful movie yeah. um that's on there and then also on hbo there's a new season of uh have, did you ever watch a uh, wellington paranormal uh, no, I watched. So was that Jermaine Clement? It's, side yeah, of that show? it's another one of those things. Like, uh, so kind of like what we did in the sh- what we do in the shadows, right? Right. Uh, these like New Zealand shows. Also, it's Jermaine just... Clement. See, this is the uh, someone made a joke there because everyone thinks Taiko Waititi. Oh, made what we do in the shadows TV all of these show. shows. Yeah, and he kind of he got the contract and then farmed it out to Jermaine Clement. <laughs> yeah. Is what they say. They so ask they're him. Like, they're like, hey, Taika, how did you come up with the idea to do what we do? What we what we do in the shadows? And he's like, Well, I called Jermaine and yeah. asked him to make the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but, but yeah, the new the new episodes like there's a new season of. Wellington Paranormal that's actually I don't know it's it's not a great show but it's just like one of those things I've I've been putting, comfort. I like put it on in the background watching. yeah it's kind of like like what we do in the shadows I put it on the background yeah. it's just a, a cute uh, those New Zealand accents you just, they're just they so do. precious and you're just like this is goofy a bunch of like yeah two <laughs> cute goofy you know stand-ins for Fox and Mulder just going around trying to figure out paranormal uh, shit. They got into a lawsuit with Eminem. Oh, really? John Oliver played, like, it was a standing bit because it was a long-running lawsuit. They did a car ad in New Zealand that did the, the, like, heavy guitar riff from his Lose Yourself. Oh, God. And it sounds exactly the same. So Eminem took them to court in New Zealand and it's just a super cut of New Zealanders going... (laughs) (laughs) Eminem, <laughs> how, how, how did you feel when you heard that Eminem song playing over there? Yeah, I just can't do Your it, New right? Zealand but, accent uh, is impeccable. It's it's uh, horrible, but they say Eminem. Like, it's e- better than his Jamaican one. We'll do that off here. You almost got me. You almost got me. Jamario, where can people find you? Should we look you up on Instagram or on your IMDb? Yeah, I'll be on Instagram. It's it's. I T Z underscore Mario. Oh, sorry. It's me. I T Z M E underscore Mario. It's on me, Instagram. Mario. <laughs> like that's, yeah. um, I had to do it. If people want to look up your IMD page, IMDB page, it's just to Mario Chris. Washington. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Check out all your, all your amazing work. Um, he lives at <laughs> you can find his him social security is <laughs> um we have hey so there's an instagram page for this podcast it's at scary sunday scaries uh we also have a patreon it's uh, patreon.com slash scary sunday scaries you can go on there and get these podcasts as soon as i get done editing them uh, it usually takes like an hour after we're done um get early access to episodes and another random shit that we're gonna start doing soon i'm gonna we corner are travis and tyler and talk about the bear them. for an hour that's what we're gonna be yeah we're gonna do a bear we're gonna do a bear we'll do a, e- like a episode not- Po- not on the podcast on the yeah, Patreon. Yeah, we're going to start doing some mini-sodes uh, for the Patreon since we're watched so far ahead. Fuck yeah. I'm actually, I've gone <laughs> through. So, you uh, probably watched it because of Hero. Yeah. Well, for Hero, but I've got, I'm going through now just taking screenshots of it. 
Yeah. And like studying it. All right. Jamaro's so, invited to the Bear Podcast. The Bear the Bearcast. <laughs> the Bearcast. Um at your personal Instagram? Uh at DG underscore Pappas. You P-A-P-P-A-S. Follow Daniel Pappas. Follow uh, my writing and my writing exploits as I try and find as I try to have them. Yay, yay. <laughs> um I'm at Trav the guy on Instagram. You don't have to worry about following me if you don't want to. That's okay. But Definitely can. follow Travis. His <laughs> illustrations are amazing, yeah. by the way. He's an artist. There you go. Yeah. Following him now. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. That's our conversation on the nope. Uh, on the nope. On nope. <laughs> on, <laughs> you can tell we're recording for a while today because uh, I'm throwing random articles in there. Um, so we're getting back to our slasher series after this. Uh, do you know what we're doing next? Is it? Did you're on this one yeah well it's not that one but we're actually should i sing another song and embarrass myself (laughs) i think i did that i already sang it at the actual recording so after this yeah we're gonna do psycho Next. Oh. Well then, I'm a dummy. <laughs> no, 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 I'm sorry. I, I, I set you up wrong because I, I put you, yeah, in you a trap did. there. You looked me right in the eyes. You were yeah. like, "Do you know it?" Yeah. So we're gonna do Psycho next. I don't uh, know. Teacher, pass <laughs> me. God. We're going back to 1960. We're gonna we're gonna have uh, tackle uh, Hitchcock's Psycho, the the original, um, and it's gonna be fucking fantastic. Uh, I can't Ooh. wait. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, don't let the Sunday scaries bum you out too much. It's gonna be a good week. As I think we we're record all... on a Sunday. Yeah, finally.